to episode 105 of the Bowcats podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Payne, joined by my co-host, Speedish Chief 2. And for our YouTube audience, you already know, but for our audio listeners, they don't know yet. <laughs> we are joined by a very, very special guest, uh, an official Niantic employee. So they do exist out there that are listening to our podcast. I know we joke about that all the time. We're joined by the one and only Michael Staranka. How are you doing, Michael? Hey, doing well, doing well. Uh, I'm in a constant state of sleepiness with it with a newborn, you know. So, <laughs> yes, I, I'll, you're pretty engaging. But if I start nodding off at some point, you know, please, uh, please forgive me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got a lot of questions uh, to to roast you with, to keep you awake with. So hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully that'll be enough. Um, and you know, of course, we're joined by Speedy. Speedy, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm uh, really excited to talk with you, Michael. Uh, thank you for making the time because I know you've had uh, you know, a long day, a regular day. And like you said, long nights as well with the newborn. And mm -hmm. again, congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Happy yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying happy to be here. You know, I think uh, uh, as you mentioned, I've been, I've been watching, listening for, for a while. You know, I'm kind of, uh, and I, I think I, shared with you both uh at some point that you know you've been joking about someone at niantic listening and <laughs> is listening, just so you know um but yeah i'm sure i'm not the only person either but uh yeah really excited to uh, to chat with you all yeah we, we, i do apologize so sometimes for for the snarky remarks um <laughs> that we make but uh you know we're just yeah we're trying to I, keep it real <laughs> i was gonna oh. say this 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 road runs both ways, Michael. If you have some roast for us, hit us. You know, come yeah. on. Actually, I do. I I was oh. I was pretty uh, I was pretty <laughs> salty already when I, when we were talking about this, uh, setting this up, and you asked, you know, oh, you know, we'll we'll ask our our audience for uh, questions that they want to ask you, and I was like, yeah. oh, that sounds good, but you know, this isn't one hundred percent confirmed yet, so maybe keep it sort of like vague and hypothetical like hey if you were to hypothetically ask someone from niantic a question, <laughs> yeah yeah and then flash forward to the episode and y'all are like very on the nose <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean, we had a i had to strike some urgency in the questions that people want to ask right um yeah i guess i guess it was a little bit of a giveaway that we have someone on but but we didn't give away that was you at least, but um. <laughs> yeah, like everything but the name, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we said just, yeah. yeah. So totally, I think it's totally fine, but uh, I didn't. So, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I think that's the perfect segue to, to something that I wanted to mention because I know a lot of people are, are probably excited for this. They want to hear about this and they were wondering who our guest would be. I just want to preface this by saying that. The reason that Michael came to mind is because so many people have seen him interact with the community and be very vocal and try to resolve a lot of things for the player base. So the first thing I want to say is that Michael deserves everyone's respect for coming on the show and talking with us because he didn't have to do this. This wasn't a requirement. You know, he came on in order to get roasted by Caleb and hear compliments from me. So yeah. that's essentially what he's here for. So I just want to start right now by saying that because I've seen Twitter uh, today, I guess Tuesday, and it's been fiery for sure. Yeah, it is. And we'll definitely touch upon that too. But yes, I thank you for adding that on too. And you know, I you've been on, you know, Zoe's YouTube channel doing interviews and you've answered a lot of things on Twitter. I think a lot of people appreciate your uh, transparency, honesty, and engagement yeah. with the community, which we appreciate too. You just even being here and taking the time 
being a you know uh having a newborn and just working like a full-time yeah. job and all this stuff um is very it's and this is outside your work hours right um, for those that don't know we're filming like at 7 p.m <laughs> and uh, yeah. so it's it's definitely not a regular time for that um i will say too also you also get like a lot of unnecessary hate in my opinion um and, and you shared this too directly at you but also like at your family too which is like super unnecessary and i think like that's something we want to emphasize i think for the most part, all of our audience members are pretty sensible and mature and understanding of this. Maybe outside like one particular like rodent trapper in mind, but uh, for the most part, you know, everyone's pretty reasonable here. Um, but we just want to emphasize that. And you know, Michael sharing, you know, his thoughts and everything here. Uh, he doesn't speak for everyone, but also at the same time, he doesn't make all decisions at Niantic. He's sharing what yes. he knows with us too. Um, but yeah, so we do appreciate that. But for those that don't know who you are, um, because I'm sure there might be some listening that don't, um, can you share a little about uh, your backgrounds, what you do at Niantic, your experience with the game, et cetera? And I feel like, uh, for spoiler for those that don't know, Michael's in-game name is Michael, so he has to be definitely an OG player of sorts. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to do a quick intro. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Michael. Uh, I'm the live game director for Pokemon Go uh, at Niantic. Um, and I think sometimes people see that and, and, you know, think that I'm like the head honcho, so to speak, you know, making all the decisions on, on everything. Uh, definitely not true. Um, I oversee what we consider, you know, the, the live game uh, parts of, of, the, of the product. Uh, so that includes any of the... Um, the uh, seasonal production pieces that we do, all the, the live ops and events, the in-person live events too, like you know, GoFest and Safari Zones, um, any new content that we release, whether that's <clears throat> a new legendary, a, a new Pokemon, uh, a new costume for, for a Pokemon. Um, so yeah, if, if you have any complaints about all the different Pikachu hats, you can definitely uh, direct those <laughs> at me uh, and, and my team. Um, and, uh, and yeah, any sort of like, uh, uh, seasonal sort of narrative design and, and things like that to try to make sure that everything is, is sort of cohesive and, and put together. Uh, but that being said, you know, I am on our, our, you know, quote unquote leadership team within the, within the Pokemon Go org. So, um, you know, it does mean that I am a part of a lot of the, or all of the strategic conversations about the game. And so, um, this isn't me trying to like skirt away from responsibility or, or anything, because I, I definitely have a hand in in all of the decisions that that get made. Um, but you know, I think uh, it's probably good for folks to know that it it doesn't fall on a single person, and and no you know scaled company ever should, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You're one of many people in a room too. So even if yep. you disagree, uh, it might not always go a certain way. So um, yep. that's important to know. And uh, have you you've been have you, how long have you been with Niantic for? Has it been since before the launch ago or just like right at the launch or? Yeah, I joined shortly after launch. Um, and actually my, my role at Niantic has changed quite a bit over the years. Uh, and prior to Niantic, I was actually at PlayStation for six and a half years where um, I sort of spearheaded a lot of more experimental, experiential uh, um products within the, within the brand team at PlayStation. Um, one of my favorite things that I worked on, for example, was, uh, you know, we, we put together a uh, onstage performance of The Last of Us using the original voice actors from the game in a 
you know, live streamed um, event called The Last of Us One Night Live um, with Jeff Keighley. And, um, but yeah, when I heard about uh, Pokemon Go, I was like super, super interested. I thought I was going to stay at Niant or at PlayStation, you know, for my whole life because it was kind of a, a dream job. Um, but I've also been a huge Pokemon fan all my life. And so, uh, yeah, when I heard about the game, I, I started poking around a bit. Um, and based on my background, I was actually brought on at Niantic to um, spearhead our, our live event strategy, uh, not just for Pokemon Go, but for, for all of our games. Um, and that was a really interesting uh, um, role for me because it was kind of this weird hybrid of marketing and product development, right? Because if you've been to a, a GoFest or a Safari Zone or anything like that, mm-hmm. part of it is the, the live event in-person components. But then another big part of that is all the, the in-game pieces that we do, right? The special research and the story and the, you know, the integration of what's happening in the real world and, and in the game. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the, the start of my uh, journey at Niantic. Um, got really invested on a lot of the um, uh, development side of things. Um, you know, I, I have quite a few things that I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of to have spearheaded, you know, within within the org, such as uh, community days and, and, and whatnot. Um, and uh, that, you know, eventually led me to the, the role that I'm, that I'm in now, uh, which is kind of a, a culmination of a lot of the things that I had worked on, uh, both on the marketing side and the, the product side. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Community is a huge one too. I mean, yeah, uh, when it first came out, I don't think anyone really realized. It was like, oh, it's just a surf Pikachu. But then, like, <laughs> and then the second one was Jatini. That was just wild back then. Yeah, I still remember yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, uh, before we get into the questions, too, I know some people are like, you know, there's a lot of people like, oh, these people at Niantic like, don't even play the game and stuff like that. So I think, like, let's establish some street cred for Michael here, right? So I think <laughs> there's probably three categories you could probably look for here. Um, I, I Well, let's just say I think you're at level 50, right? So that, that we could, like, yeah. knock out of the way. Um, yeah. So max level. But uh, could you mind sharing what your, like, total catches are, your total legendary raids, and, um, and uh, you know, how many times you hit, like, legend or the highest rank in GBO? My guess yeah. is probably more than Speedy has, but you know that's just that's just my guess. Out here. My, I think Michael's is is a lot higher than most people yeah. uh, on yeah. average. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, I am level fifty. Uh, total Pokemon caught. And sorry, you did tell me you might ask something like this, and I should yeah. be here for this. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> uh, total Pokemon caught. I'm at one hundred and thirty thousand, which okay. you know pales in comparison to a lot of folks. Um, but I have mastered those excellent throws, you know, which uh, helped a lot. Nice. XP Caleb <laughs> just Caleb just hit a hundred thousand like last week. So <laughs> <laughs> is that true? A hundred thousand pampors, maybe. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> yeah, and then in terms of legendary raids, I'm right under four thousand, so three thousand. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Uh, and yes, I, I have hit legend uh, every season so far. Uh, including the seasons before it was called Legend, you know, it was ranked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you I have just, every pose. I do. I have every pose. There were two seasons, actually, that I hit it literally on the last day, you know, where I was borrowing <laughs> yeah. into the next season's yeah. sets mm-hmm. just to get it. Uh, and yeah, those are very intense moments for sure. Those yeah. are buzzer beaters, as, as we call yeah. them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for maybe for those that are big grinders in the game, they're like, ah, I don't know about those numbers. But for PvP people... They yeah. know how hard it is to hit legend or, or you know the old rank ten. I mean, some of the best players in the world right now have not don't even have that stat stat line. So 
So Michael knows yeah. what he's talking about, especially for PP. And we have a lot of PP related questions. I mean, this is mostly a PP podcast, so uh, we definitely we definitely have uh, one of the best employees for this. Um, so uh, to preface all these questions, we ask you know the audience to submit questions on our YouTube channel, and we appreciate everyone that did. Uh, unfortunately, we can't cover all of them, right? There were a lot of questions. I mean, Manny himself submitted like a ten part question that took up like a half a page of like Microsoft <laughs> Word. So you know, obviously, we can't ask <laughs> yeah, all true. those. We do appreciate the effort, Manny, and everyone else. We, we have some some questions are kind of similar, so we kind of lumped them together. Uh, and then there were some that were just like really random that unfortunately. It's not relevant, and we just have for time purposes. Also, any questions that are asked more recently, we probably can't add into it because uh, we had to compile the question ahead of time just so that Michael would take a look at it. But he's pretty open and said, "Yeah, like let's let's take a look at these, let's answer them." Um, and you know, we appreciate you doing this. And on top of that, before we even started recording, um, for those that are probably paying attention to Twitter or just in general, uh, we'll probably know that there was an increased Pokemon counter radius in, that happened about like. 48 hours or so ago, especially for like those with Android, 24 hours or so for uh, iPhone users, iOS users. And then uh, Niantic tweeted out that it was an unintended, uh, I guess, like change that will be reverted back in the attempts to fix something else. Um, of course, there's a lot of chatter on Twitter about it. Um, I would say probably mostly negative. And I think uh, and Michael is very kind to say like, you know, like it would probably be disingenuous for us to just put pretend like this did not happen in the past 24 hours and release yeah. the episode um literally the next day uh not addressing it so uh michael's happy to talk about it. so let's let's just start off there so let's talk about um the increased pokemon encounter range increase and recently revert back from the Niantic mm -hmm. support twitter you know what's that about um and kind of like what can you share about that to kind of clarify that because i know a lot of people are probably very heated at the moment around that decision yeah for sure um I appreciate you uh, characterizing it as mostly negative. I don't know if I've seen a, a negative <laughs> thing, you know? I think you could have said it's all, all negative. Um, yeah, honestly, this was a super uh, frustrating uh, experience and moment, even internally within Niantic, right? We definitely saw a lot of the uh, positive feedback that was coming from, from players as this was uh, rolling out globally. Um, I think one of the, the biggest rubs about this was, uh, you know, we had uh, incorrectly confirmed that this was an intended uh, outcome with our uh, content creator group. And so that had already started spreading, you know, within the, within the community, which is, you know, probably one of the more unfortunate pieces there. Um, honestly, what it boils down to is a, a pretty bad miscommunication internally within Niantic, right? Um, this was intended to be a super player-friendly bug fix, where as you are, you know, walking away from uh, from Pokemon, there was a bug where they would despawn, and uh, if you try to go back to it, like they wouldn't show up again. And so, an engineer on the team really wanted to fix that um, and uh, and make that a much smoother experience for players. We've you know, had a number of people write in that they're frustrated at this. You know, some they missed a, a catch because you know something despawned like this, um, and as part of that fix, it did you know significantly increase the encounter radius um, of the Pokemon, and the reason why that was confirmed as an intended change um, to a lot of the, the content creators was because uh, 
it was an intended bug fix. But I think when that was communicated that like, oh yeah, this is intentional. There wasn't an awareness that, you know, it was actually the, the radius that people were talking about, but instead more of the, the bug that um, had gotten fixed. And so I guess what I'll, what I'll say on this is we've definitely seen a lot of the um, positive player response there. And that's something that we do want to consider and, and take into mind as we develop the game. But in addition to that extended radius, uh, that radius in and of itself came coupled with some unintended bugs in the game, right? I, you've probably seen some people talking about how it really negatively impacts the, uh, the Go Plus experience where it's you know, kind of uh, faltering and not catching some of the things in the outer ranges. And that's something where for us, you know, if we are gonna make a, a big change like that, we want it to be intentional and we wanna uh, design for it and make sure that it, uh, that it runs smoothly. So what I can say is, you know, we're, we're going to be taking that, you know, feedback from players into consideration. Uh, we really want to test things out and, and make sure that's the optimal experience. Because, um, you know, I think a lot of also what you see on, on Twitter and, and whatnot um, are some of our most hardcore and engaged players that do want to grind and catch as many Pokemon around as possible. For a new player, that might be a little bit overwhelming, right? You open the game and you see, you know, 50 different Pokemon around you. And, you know, what's that, what's that like? Do you know what to tap on? Do you know what to, to do? And so there's always sort of this tricky balance that we always need to strike. Um, but, you know, definitely feedback heard. And I, I want people to know that it is something that we genuinely do want to look at. And I can't obviously guarantee that this is something that we're going to make permanent in the game, but um, we will put like best effort forward to, uh, test and, and see like if that is the right move for the the game in its totality then it's something that we absolutely do you know eventually want to do okay gotcha yeah and thank you for addressing that too because i know some people are probably just really confused like why would why would i take say it was intended and not and you know i think the miscommunication with the creators and stuff uh does you know explain that part of it um and i i do appreciate that even in the Niantic support tweet they said while reverting the change, we will take your feedback into consideration, right? So I think, um, I think there's plenty of feedback <laughs> under the post. So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I think we all know what people are leaning towards and rooting for. And you know, as you also as a player of the game, I'm sure uh, you have your own personal thoughts on what you would prefer. But um, but yeah, that's that's good to know too. Um, yeah. You have any sure. Again, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You go ahead, Again, you you know, go ahead Michael. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I really want to emphasize that, like, I don't want the takeaway here to be like, Michael is promising that, you know, they're going to, like, bring this change back. But I, I genuinely can promise that we are going to look into it and, and you know, see what the uh, effects are both intended and unintended um, and, you know, make the, the right decision um, based on, on that. Mm -hmm. gotcha. Yeah, I, I just want to say, I feel like... Um... I think Michael did a really good job of explaining it. And a lot of this transparency, again, is is something that we don't get uh, a lot of the time. And I think that's what frustrates a lot of players. I know for the creators in particular, new information is like a gold rush, right? I, I can just imagine the creators like beating down Niantic's door, like, please tell us if, if this is a thing. I want to break the news. Like, I want to push the tweet. I want to, you know, publicize this. And there's no fault in that, right? Like, the creators should be able to break news. But I feel like at the same time... Um, yeah, I mean, I, in, in my mind, I was running through the cycles. Like, is this a QA issue? Was this a communication issue between departments? Was this that or this? And it's probably a combination of all those things. Um, 
I just think it's, it's, and the thing is as well, if you're not on Twitter, then as a regular average player, you probably opened your phone, saw a whole ton of spawns one day and you were like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then you caught some Pokemon and closed your app. And then the next day you didn't think about it. But if you're in that Twitter echo chamber where everybody's mad, everybody's happy at the same time, et cetera, it really amplifies what you're feeling. I just feel like, again, um, just just again, speaking to how appreciative we are that you're on the show telling us this, because a lot of trainers just want to know. We love the game so much, Michael. We want to play it so bad and we just want to know. Right. We yeah, just care yeah. about it that much. Yep. Yep. For sure. And obviously, you know, what I just shared right now has a ton of nuance to it. Right. And sure. Is that something that we're going to publish a, you know. 20 part tweet or like a super long blog post to, to detail. I don't know. I guess you can make an argument uh, either way on, on that, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, hopefully there, you know, we'll have more opportunities to um, have conversations like this. And uh, we generally do want to be more open and transparent. Uh, there's not really much that we're trying to hide as we develop this game, um, you know, and, Yes, we make a lot of unpopular decisions sometimes, but uh, I think the more deceptive thing would be to like, you know, not be bold enough to make those decisions and instead try to do like sneaky things to uh, do sort of like end runs to, to, you know, the eventual goal that like we're trying to get to. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it's easy to communicate all this stuff, feel free to link our YouTube video for it. <laughs> <laughs> to, to answer all the sure. questions um okay so getting into the questions too that uh we kind of compiled and stuff um so uh a lot of these questions too uh the the first part of the questions will be questions that myself and speedy came up with for those who are listening um some of the questions might include stuff that our audience also asked too so if you hear like something similar to your question we probably like lumped it in together and then later on in the second half we'll have questions that are from the community as well so um so, well, so for, for the time being, we're taking, me and Speed are taking ownership. So if you think like, oh, that's such a terrible question. I was like, well, if yeah. Caleb was talking, then you could, you could blame me for it, right? <laughs> um, but uh, so I just want to throw that out there. Um, so to kind of kick things off with uh, a lot of the more PP related questions as well. So mm -hmm. um, something we noticed, especially after the most recent uh, hidden, hidden Gems update mm -hmm. for GBL and just Pokemon Go in general, uh, you know, there's a lot of Pokemon that are very centralized in the meta, especially competitively and just GBL, but also in the play Pokemon tournaments hosted by TPCI um, yeah. and TBC as well uh, across in the Asia area. And so one of them is Medicham, right? It has the highest usage Pokemon in pretty much every tournament these days. It was really high beforehand, um, but it's even more meta relevant now. Um, yeah. However, Medicham, along with a bunch of other Pokemon, are just like very inaccessible for newer players. Um, especially if you're trying to build an XL one, you have to be, well, I think like level, at least level 31, uh, mm -hmm. trainer level. And it just takes a lot of dedicated grinding to build. Right. And Medicham, mm -hmm. even if they're consistently in the wild is hard, but, uh, I remember one specific, one of our co-casters, Frosted Caribou that tried out and played a tournament. Um, it was when Mega Medicham was actually in raids. So she actually did mm -hmm. a ton. She was like always capped out like 9,999, uh, Medicham, uh, <laughs> energy or metatite energy because she did all these raids just to get the xls she right. needed to build her metachamp which she eventually did but you know it was definitely a grind for sure and you know when they're not in raids it's even harder mm -hmm. um but on top of you know some of these great league stuff Sabai also being one of the top highest usage pokemon these days also yep. mm -hmm. uh could be an xl pokemon like a tongue um uh 
those are the main ones, but they are very salient in Great League, but even more so Ultra League and the Master League, of course, right? Yeah. Um, these are all very expensive resources. And so this is yep. something I always think about is how do we get newer players trying out, right? I think we had one of our uh, judges as well played in a Pokemon Go tournament for the first time, their first time, and uh, also was you know, very expensive and uh, they commented on Twitter on like, it was a great time, but like there were some barriers in making it, right? Uh, yeah. Seal, a Pokemon that's a legendary, that's not always in raids, right? Also something that is very meta relevant. So um, I guess my question is, does Niantic have a plan to help improve accessibility for competitive play and help bring newer players into PvP, right? Because I think uh, if we get people excited about it, we'd love for them to join, but then we're like, uh, like, Talk to us in a couple months when you're level 31 and like have all the Excel you need a few months after that, right? Um, but also something that also relates to this is how this increased accessibility potentially down the road can also allow for potentially Ultra League and Master League formats in the official competitive circuit. So like for like VGC, for example, they have like every year they kind of expand what you can use, right? In that third right. year before they mm -hmm. have a new game, they have like all the legendary and mythical you can use and stuff like that right so like it kind of just builds and like i think it'd be cool if we had like a three-year cycle where like on the third year we have a master league meta so we don't have to worry about meta champ meta anymore because they're just mewtwo <laughs> everywhere instead which is maybe a whole different problem but um but <laughs> as, as it speaks right now a lot of the trainers even some of the best pvp players cannot afford ultra league nor master league uh yep. myself included um but yeah so i know it's a loaded question but just general no, no, accessibility it's... for newer players especially in the pvp realm yeah, honestly, really great question. Um, this is really a, a tough one, right? Because especially in Pokemon Go, where we have such dedicated players like yourselves, we want people to feel like the, the time investment that you've put in this game has led to really good and, and strong Pokemon that you can use in, in PvP and, and show off, right? Um, I think we've tried over the years to ensure that there was at least some semblance of a balance of accessibility versus these uh you know more aspirational pokemon that you want to work towards as a as a new or sort of maybe uh um, middle uh, of the road uh trainer um but things like you know swampert noctowl um uh, uh, uh lantern right like a lot of these uh, other Pokemon that are very top of the meta are pretty accessible. And, and we do try to make sure that they're, um, you know, spawning uh, on a seasonal basis. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's also uh, the, the sort of base stat product that any Pokemon has uh, really determines um, its level of es efficacy and, and, um, how much total you know bulk and, and power any any Pokemon can have. So we are a little bit hamstrung in, in that regard. Um, but ultimately speaking, you know, we, we do want to really try to strike that balance, right? Where like there's sort of you know that starter set of PvP Pokemon that people can see on stream and say, I actually saw you know Chincho um, spawning the other day. I'm gonna catch a bunch of those and and create my my lantern. Um, but then there's a couple things that's like oh, I don't have that, or, you know, I can't really work towards that just yet. And, you know, it becomes hopefully a, a motivator to try and grind and, and build to that. Um, and again, you know, we, we also really do want to reward the, the players who have been playing and, and grinding for a long time um, with, you know, the, the really great stat product uh, uh, Pokemon. Um, but I think generally speaking, I do agree. I think PvP and Pokemon Go is... Um, 
has a lot of accessibility um, challenges in terms of being able to compete at the highest level. Uh, it's not really a, a super easy um, problem to, to solve because of that balance that I just mentioned, right? Of like yeah. wanting people to be able to jump in while also wanting to reward your you know most engaged player. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers the question or if that you know kind of uh, at least illuminates some of the, the thinking but behind um, the the balancing. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So um, when we were developing this list of questions, I went through and I tried to, I tried to guess what some of your answers would be to some of them. Right. And um, I'm surprised you didn't say something that you've said a few times before, which is that you want Pokemon Go to be a forever game. Mm -hmm. You said that before, correct. Yeah. in, 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 in the sense that trainers can continue to play it every single day. And I was thinking about my own play style and I was saying, well, I really want to build uh, a max level Kofa Grigus and a max level Runa Regis, but right. I only got like three or three or 400 uh, XL candy for your mask yeah. last year. So I, I have to come back and play the Halloween event again this year. Right. right. So in that sense, players keep coming back to playing these events. Um, I have a really cute story from GoFest Seattle last year where there was this young man, Caleb probably remembers him. This young young kid was just asking me like question after question after question, just constantly, right, at the, uh, at the PvP arena. And he had so many questions about how to play. He was so invested. He came there with his grandpa that day. It was re- really, really sweet uh, to see them at GoFest together. And he showed me his Eevee. He said, I, I want to play Umbreon. And he shows me his Eevee. Oh. And I'm like, okay, this could be really cool. And I look at his candies. He's got like 14 Eevee candy. Yeah. I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right, kids. So in order to play Umbreon, what you need to do is first you need to catch like a hundred more Eevees. Then you need to evolve it at night. Then you need yeah. to use an elite charge TM to get last resort. Then you need to double move it. Then you need to power it up. There's just, mm-hmm. just so many steps. Let's not forget. Right? You got to walk 10 kilometers too. Thank you. Thank- <laughs> that too. That too. Right. So like, all these different things. And, and um, what, what was ironic about it is that, you know, he continued to ask me questions and eventually I was like, you know what? He didn't feel like he could play. So I gave him my phone and I said, here, use any of these Pokemon to go compete in the, in the battle tower and just have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, the battle arena. Yeah. And he went and he swept the battle arena and got one of the little sheets of the codes. I thought that was such a cool moment because he was so invested, wanted to do it, but realistically he would have had to play the entire weekend he would have missed the battle arena because it's just not accessible so in my mind the way that i saw you answering the question was pokemon go is a forever game keeping Mm -hmm. players coming back enjoying the game time and time again versus building a set roster and then feeling like you've completed the game because you have all the pokemon you need and then you just put the game down so the balance is kind of like somewhere in the middle right yeah yeah and i think there is a little bit of of that in 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 my response to right which maybe not necessarily the forever game piece but wanting to reward the, the players that have invested you know a ton mm-hmm. of time and, and effort um in the game so i think those two things are kind of part and parcel right um but yeah i, I do think it's a it's a really good point and you know it, it's a it's a tough one to balance for sure um because yeah I, i've also been in similar situations where i'm trying to you know, someone at, at, who just started at Niantic and, you know, wants to get into PVP and I'm trying to like help them build a team. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you can't really build that one. Let me see what other Pokemon you have. Like, okay, this one's already close to 1500. So maybe we can, you know, make this one work. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with the overall sentiment on this, but I, I hope folks can also understand some of the challenges that, that we face when trying to balance both for 
newer players who are super interested and, and wanting to dive right in versus also wanting to make sure that you feel like you're, you know, a Pokemon trainer that's yeah. actually mm -hmm. out and training your Pokemon and like working towards that and building a, a strong roster um, over months and, and years. Um, so, yeah. yeah. But I will say too, like to, to what you just mentioned, um, uh, should I call you Will or Speedy? I don't know. What the... Oh, you can call me whatever you want. Uh, you're Michael, I'll be Will. Okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, what, what you just mentioned too around the uh, Kofagrius piece, right? Um, I was actually chatting with uh, Enhoff the other day about this. And, uh, and you know, it was kind of funny. She, she mentioned that um, she was really annoyed at the introduction of XL candy when it, when it first came out. And it's like, oh my God, I have to, you know, grind all of these things and it's taking forever to, to power it up. But what she said was like, but at the same time, it was probably the first thing in, in years in Pokemon Go that actually got her out again and like mm -hmm. finding nests around, you know, her, her city um, mm -hmm. so that she can actually go and catch these Pokemon and, you know, trade them with, with uh, her friends and, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's a tough one. I, I think that there's a strong motivation, right. To want to have the, the strongest Pokemon for, for some people. And, and we do want to, to lean into that versus making it, uh, just so easy that anybody can come to the table with the, uh, top meta team, you know, in their first week of, of playing Pokemon Go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I will say too, uh, during Worlds last year and myself and Speedy were commentating and so we, we didn't really get to participate in this ourselves, but they had these uh, kind of like uh, special research or temporary research where, uh, you know, if you pick a certain path, you can encounter PvP Pokemon like like Scroopy or something or Drapion or like Jelson, right? Like yeah. different like Pokemon that is decent in pvp maybe not the top meta but pretty solid right and it was kind of a cool way for those watching worlds to like get some resources so they can also gbl while watching you know worlds right. and stuff and have something for those that are inspired which i think um like ideas like that i think are really cool ways to do it you know i know we have um, i know we have spotlight hour as well right but it'd be cool if we had like a pvp hour where like for like yeah. one hour, you know, their PvP spawns, right? There might be metatites like once a month spawning or like Sableye, stuff like mm. that. I don't know. Feel free to take my idea and, and say it's your own, Michael, if you want to. <laughs> I don't mind <laughs> if anything like that. Um, but one of the... Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think it's super interesting. And, yeah. you know, it was very intentional, right? During the WCS last year, we knew that a lot of people were tuning into PvP for the, for the first time for many mm -hmm. and might be interested in participating. So we wanted to give them a path forward to getting a little bit of that, you know, starter pack, right? I think Galarian mm -hmm. Stunfisk was one of them too, which is yeah. also like very easy to power up to at least 1500 if you want it ultra, mm -hmm. it's a little challenging, but um, uh, yeah. And, and the other thing that we try to do too is uh, oftentimes on like the, the go battle days, you know, I know we haven't always a hundred percent, featured pvp relevant uh pokemon as as a uh, part of those but oftentimes we have too right and we've introduced um uh new exclusive moves that are that are relevant like dugong and, and whatnot um so mm -hmm. you know there there definitely is a concerted effort from from time to time um to you know give people these opportunities and, and direct them towards um uh, being able to build pvp teams um but yeah i i you know i think I can probably agree and acknowledge that there there might be more that, that we can do there for sure. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I was going to say one last thing, too, and sure. just it's not even a question, but I think uh, myself and Speedy were also part of the Twitch Rivals for Pokemon Go, uh, yeah, I guess right. almost like two years ago, back in October mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah, time flies. But I thought, you know, obviously this is like maybe hard to implement on a competitive level or on a global level for a lot of people. But I thought that idea in itself, the format was like genius. Yeah. Like you literally, yeah. you implement everything within Pokemon together, right? You have one hour, go catch like all, like only these specific spawns for these trainers, right? So like we had like Snorlax, Lapras, and like Mobile, stuff like that. And yeah. um, like Drift, Drift Blim and stuff like that, or Drift mm-hmm. spawning in the wild, right. like a certain like 32 Pokemon. And, you know, obviously they loaded our accounts with, like rare candy and stardust and stuff for us to use and yeah. charge in fast cms you come back an hour whatever you catch you use right which is kind of like yeah. the spirit of pokemon go you go explore yeah. get all the stuff come back and then everyone's kind of on the same playing field you all have the same stuff and you pp which yeah. is like which was one uh whoever came up with that meta like it was like pretty genius and pretty clever but the concept itself was really nice and it was successful for all of the people that we were teamed up with which like we each had yeah. two teammates that weren't you know, reg- like typical Pokemon Go trainers, and they maybe the first time where they haven't played since 2016, they were yeah. able to play too, right? So I think like those kind of things would be really cool. But again, implementing global level might be a whole different story. But um, I think there there have been like past examples where some of these things were well implemented, and um, I hope it's something that Nine will revisit. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you like that format. Um, yeah. yeah, that that format actually was created by um, by myself and our old lead game designer Matt. Uh, and Twitch Rivals was actually the second iteration of that. The very first mm-hmm. one was uh, an event we did in Japan called uh, Tokyo Esports Festa. Pokemon Go was like one game as part of this big esports festival that was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, we created, it, w- it was almost like a triathlon version of a Pokemon Go, where you had a huge group of players and they had, it wasn't like... Uh, catch as many Pokemon in an hour like we did for, for Twitch Rivals, but instead it was, here's a uh, bingo card of every Pokemon that we want you to go out and catch. And it was like the first 16 players to catch all the Pokemon on that bingo card were then, that was our ticket to get into the tournament. And in that tournament, you could only use the Pokemon that you caught in that span of time. So it was a really interesting balance, right, of like, you want to see the the Pokemon that are out there, but you also want to catch as many on the bingo card as you can so that you can actually mm-hmm. enter the tournament. But seeing what's out there helps you get a little bit of a leg up in terms of deciphering what that meta might be, what Pokemon are going to be super strong, you know, compared to the rest that were appearing. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, a little bit tough to, to scale that globally, but yeah. I've always been a, a really fan, big fan of that. Uh, yeah. That would be that's wild. I I'm just imagining worlds right now in Yokohama. It'd be like all the hundred you know worlds competitors show up and you're like actually you can't use the teams you run. You had to go catch everything in the yeah. next hour and build a team from scratch. That Madness. Be, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. The, the biggest danger with that actually was like safety. You know, we had to put rules in yes. place that if if you start running, you're disqualified because you know, <laughs> we don't want people going out there just like pushing each other out of the way. And getting, oh like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like Black Friday for Pokemon Go, you know. Just kind of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm catching all the shield that I can in this next hour. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess our next question here is related to the overall PvP community at large. So um, I've been thinking about content a lot lately, about, you know, battles and vlogs and everything that, that content creators do for Pokemon Go. And 
I feel like overall, if you look at Twitch viewership, YouTube viewership, uh, across the board, it feels like the the interest in PvP is shrinking. Uh, I would just wanted to ask you, Michael, what kind of investments is Niantic making in order to grow the PvP player base? Yeah, it's it's a great question and something that we're always trying to juggle amidst everything else that that we're developing in the game, right? So, um, I, you know, I, I've been on record to with sharing that. Last year, we invested quite a bit of our development resources into um, uh, strengthening uh, our, our PvP infrastructure. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, I don't know if they forget or, you know, maybe it's like a repressed memory for, for a lot of folks, but it used to be so much more unstable uh, a year ago yes. uh, to play GBL or PvP at all, right? There was the... Um, fast move sneak slash denial issue, um, lots more sort of uh, overall lag and, and frame drops. And so we invested some pretty significant resources in building up that that foundation. Um, but because of that, you know, we uh, turned our eye away from um, a lot of other areas in the game that uh, kind of went a little bit uh, unaddressed or, you know, not, not as much um, love was given to. So, you know, uh, as much as it, it, it sometimes pains me as someone who loves PvP and, and battling is, you know, my favorite thing to do in Pokemon Go, we made a conscious decision in, in 2023 to, um, you know, focus our, our attention in other areas of the game that need the love that, that we gave it in, in 2022. Um, now, that being said, we did that uh, with the full intention of partnering really closely with the Pokemon company international on the, the play Pokemon circuit. Right. And so, you know, they've been definitely been doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting. I, I definitely don't want to uh, take any credit away from that. Um, but, you know, we, we've been very fortunate to be able to partner with them and try to, you know, keep that community engaged and invigorated through these in-person tournaments. Um, but what we uh, ultimately really want to do and, um, expand quite a bit uh, with that partnership is the uh, the local tournament scene um, through, you know, championship points and, and whatnot. Um, so I think, you know, we started to dabble in that over the past couple months. We definitely want to, uh, you know, blow that program completely out of the water over time. Uh, you know, you might see uh, some more uh, efforts uh, in, in that case or, or in that area over the next few months. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of currently where we're thinking in terms of um, the, the PVP investments for 2023. And then, you know, who, who knows what comes in, in 2024 and, and where our focus is going to be. Uh, this probably won't be the, the last time that you'll hear me say this on this podcast, but, you know, I won't really be able to talk to uh, future um, uh, features that are that are in development or future initiatives and, and things like that so you know unfortunately for your listeners this isn't like the the early uh <laughs> early access yeah um but you know i just want to be sort of open and transparent that like that's where our, our priorities lie for this year and i hope even the pvp players can understand right like this is a game that um services so many different types of, of players around the world and we, we do need to uh, make sure that all different facets of the game are, are getting the love and attention that they need. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and also I, I like that you mentioned that too, because um, 
you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, right? If you say like, oh, we're working on this, and then suddenly like maybe the project had to be scrapped or or it might not look exactly like you said. So, yep. Um, but yep. obviously as an employee too, you just can't share all that stuff. Um, yep. But yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that too. I mean, yeah, it's cool to hear that you are going to do more with the local scene too, because I think that's going to be big, especially as we're like, you know, kind of transitioning a little bit away from the pandemic too. We can have more of these local scenes, which would. Um, yeah. And, and that's uh, like, and that's a very Niantic thing, right? Um, that's why, like, at least internally at Niantic, that's where we get most excited about the direction of, of PVP. We want to foster those local communities. We want people to get together in person and, you know, duke it out uh, in person mm -hmm. with the, uh, you know, aspiration of, of making it to the world championships uh, someday. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we know that uh, that's going to need a lot more um, attention, both in terms of uh, marketing efforts, in-game incentives, you know, things of that nature that we, we really want to work on to get more visibility around that initiative and, and also make sure that um, players are, are motivated to, to go check that out. Nice, nice. And if you'll recall, too, that's how PvP first launched in Pokemon Go, mm -hmm. right? There was no remote battling. You had to meet with each other face-to-face. That's how, you know, the, I think the, the Silph Arena got spun up um, mm -hmm. or all these like grassroots tournaments. And, um, you know, personally, I, I know that like there is always a huge convenience factor of being able to, to battle each other remotely. But um, those in-person uh, experiences were probably some of the most like fun and, and exciting, uh, even within the PvP community, I feel like. And similarly, you know, when we go to these... Um, regional championships, internationals, worlds, like that's where I feel like you get the most excitement about this uh, feature. And um, yeah, of course I'm spending like a couple hours a day on, on GBL and, and whatnot, but uh, that's not nearly as exciting as being able to do it in person with, with others who are just as passionate as you are. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um... Moving on to our next question, in your interview with Zoe, you mentioned that a primary reason for setting, you know, a daily limits on remote raids was to kind of better align the player base with Niantic's vision and mission of exploration. Um, but, you know, we talked, you mentioned this too, with the Go Beyond update, there's just, you know, you need XL candies to get things to level 50. Um, and it requires a lot of raids uh, for players to really just max out a legendary or mythical Pokemon, right? Um, yeah. And really, there's not really a, sensible feasible way to get the xl candies needed uh without the raids um it's right. not you can't you know you can only trade so many legendary pokemon yeah. a day and you still have to get them to trade mm -hmm. um and so on top of that you know the legendary mythical pokemon also go through like yearly rotations uh mm -hmm. so even if let's say dialga's in raids right now you had to do a bunch um to get enough but you only have a week or maybe two weeks max right to do it for most of these events yeah um but on, but unfortunately, on top of that, we we had the classic format removed um, from Master yeah. League, right? So, uh, well, not just Master League, Ultra League as well, but specifically yeah. Master League too. You can't use level forty legendary; you have to use level fifty to kind of uh, be competitive with the yeah. other people you're facing. Um, so, I guess my question is, you know, how does Niantic rationalize and remedy the disconnect between these kind of two juxtaposing objectives, right? Because uh, well, one, you can't really remote them, remote raid enough legendaries in a week to get the XLs needed. But at the same time, you you can only really raid them for like two weeks, right? So even if you have a local community you could raid with, uh, which obviously some people don't, but even if you do, 
you might not even have the time or you know mm. resources or amount right. of rates to even do them in time to build it for right. master league yep yep yeah um i mean talk about access- accessibility challenges with pvp right I, I think master league has always been that um uh even when remote raids are in place right because it's just a different type of accessibility challenge that then it becomes a you know, you could be priced out of competing in Master League because you, you know, don't want to spend the, the money on all the remote raids to get that XL candy. Um, so that's why anytime Master League is in rotation, we try to balance it with a more, um, you know, uh, accessible league where, you know, you don't have to have such a steep resource sink to be able to, to compete. Um, and so, you know, I definitely hear and acknowledge the the challenge that the remote raid cap has um, introduced uh, as it pertains to to Master League uh, Pokemon specifically. Um, in some ways, we did try to remedy that by giving you quite a lot more XL candy when you raid in person. I know that there are some you know players around the world uh, who aren't able to you know put raid groups together in person. Um, but we are trying to like find ways to to fix that, right? Um, this might have I, I don't know if this is something that either of you saw um, that got announced today, but um, we just rolled out Campfire globally, right? And and through Campfire's global launch, we also released a, a feature called uh, Team Up in in Pokemon Go, where you can actually go to a raid, and it will allow you to find remote raiders that are interested. In a, in a nearby radius around you. Um, so, you know, you no longer need to um, uh, rely on trying to, you know, get different uh, people around the world to, to try to join you. And, and you're less sort of limited on that daily cap um, because, you know, in theory, if enough people are interested, they're able to like hop in and, and support um, no matter where you are around the world. So, you know, that's sort of one step towards um, remedying this issue. But I also think that the underlying challenge that you mentioned here is actually to do with XL candy accessibility, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's an area where I think that, you know, we, we need to do a better job at, um, at making XL rare candy in particular um, easier to, to get for players. Um, I think we also just announced, or, you know, at least by the time this podcast is out, I think it will be announced that uh, for this upcoming Go Battle weekend, you will get a guaranteed XL Rare Candy uh, in the premium track um, for the mm. for the second win. So, um, you know, that's not the, the full way there, but I think what you're going to see is more of an effort from us at Niantic to... Uh, give players these opportunities to get XL candy and XL rare candy because, you know, I think that that is one of the fair critiques of the um, remote raid pass changes that we've implemented. And we want to find ways that will um, help players bridge that gap a little bit. Nice, nice. Okay, well, that's very exciting. Uh, I don't know if I was actually aware of that or or maybe we don't know yet, but it's, but, but <laughs> by the time people listen to it, they know. So that, that is like, very exciting. Um, I just need to stop doing one fours and oh fives and then we'll be good but, <laughs> but yeah that's that's cool so yeah i'm glad that at least uh you know you are aware of this too and you know obviously you are because as someone that has rated a lot to mpp so like you know it's not the cheapest investment so um, yep. cool looking forward to that 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. No, I'm really excited for Go Battle Weekend. It falls on NAIC, which is the North American International Championship. So just going to smooth segue back to the championship series. Uh, so, Michael, <laughs> I feel like the championship series has done like a tremendous amount to bring trainers together in person post pandemic, especially the first few uh, regionals and internationals where everyone was still wearing a mask, right? There were COVID protocols in, in place. It wasn't that long ago that people were coming out for the first time into their local community in order to battle. And that was the main thing that drove them out into a public place, right? Yeah. Uh, personally, outside of GoFest, Safari Zone, or maybe even some uh, events that happen in LATAM, uh, uh, Mexico and Chile, the trainers always show out, right? I can't, remember, I can't remember the last time I saw 75 to 250 trainers gathered all together in one place mm-hmm. for community day or for a weekend together, except yeah. for these regionals. So Obviously, I want to acknowledge incredible work that the team has done. I remember Indianapolis had one poker stop, and then you look at the at the regionals now, and they're absolutely lit up like a Christmas tree, mm-hmm. right? It's amazing yep. all the poker stops. Um, so my question is, why aren't the championship series events being leveraged a bit more in order to springboard community activations? Uh, and in my notes here, I said it feels like a great opportunity for Niantic to send representatives to coordinate communities that are local, uh, inform trainers, inspire them, educate them on how to get into PVP. And I feel like, again, you already have all these trainers gathered. It, it's Niantic's bread and butter to gather people in person. And I just feel like the championship series, you know, I, I think what the, the work so far has been great, but I think it really deserves more love. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely see your point there. Um, it's a bit tough, right? Uh, to, to the Pokemon Company International's credit, uh, TPCI's credit, um, they really, really stepped it up this season with a championship series. There's like a tournament almost every weekend somewhere around the world. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I think because it's so frequent, it's pretty hard for us to ask employees to you know, give up their weekends to go and, and travel and, and engage with with players. Um, so from, from our perspective, you know, we want to lean into the, the event itself to help foster that, to, to bring people together. Um, as you mentioned, we're trying to do what we can to scale that um, support by bringing more in-game uh, experiences and spawns, right? And I do want to give a shout out to um, Lex and, and Eric and, uh, and Maddie from the Niantic team who have really been uh, putting a lot of effort towards not only populating them with Pokestops, but also giving these, you know, incredible Stardust bonuses at, at these events and, mm-hmm. you know, fun uh, regional spawns that uh, you can catch. So if you're traveling from out of town, you're able to, um, you know, uh, expand your, your collection and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, you know, and I, I would love to go to more of them myself, but it's a little bit uh, challenging to, uh, convince my wife to <laughs> go up so many weekends with it with a newborn you know uh in tow um but yeah that, that's kind of where we where we see that personally right we want to be able to help support with what's happening in game and lean on the incredible team that tpci has hired to facilitate a lot of those uh community um uh, gatherings and whatnot in person there because that staff is already in place and they have these great you know, side events and, and things like that to, to get players engaged. Yeah. And, and to, to boost Michael's street credit a bit more here, Caleb will remember this. Uh, I remember running into Michael in Frankfurt, Germany for the first <laughs> yeah. ever 
international championship. Michael yeah. was on on the ground level at Worlds. Michael has come mm-hmm. out to plenty of these regionals, right? He's yeah. he's made NAIC too last year, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, the NAIC. I was at the San Diego regionals earlier this year. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so Frankfurt was actually I, I was on vacation, <laughs> and uh, you know I really have to again. My my wife is a saint, and mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, can we route you know the last leg of our vacation to go watch this uh, this Pokemon <laughs> tournament uh, in Frankfurt? You know, we were all the way in Amsterdam at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was great. I, I really enjoy going there. I love meeting players and and, and hanging out and, and chatting with folks. Um, but, you know, as you both know, right, you, you've been to so many of them, probably more than any other uh, person in, in the community. Um, they can take a toll. And, you know, those are weekends that are kind of going into that. And, um, you know, for for our Niantic employees that are, uh, you know, nose to the grindstone five days a week saying, you know, we'd like you to also go out uh, and, and, you know, take up your weekends to mm-hmm. um, to engage and support, you know, these initiatives is is a bit much um so yeah yeah that makes sense i mean and also like you know like you said there's so many regionals at this point right Mm -hmm. um that i think that's that's a tough ask for anyone um yeah i do remember actually euic last year was the first time i think both of us met you too which was yeah i think so uh, yeah, I do apologize too because I was definitely falling asleep at dinner from the jet lag while like, <laughs> yeah. talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I actually have very vivid memories of looking over at you and you're like uh-huh. sitting very, you know, straight at the dinner table. Your, <laughs> yeah. your eyes were just shut. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, he's jet yeah. yes. I, I think I think Caleb fell asleep in the cab, if I remember right. <laughs> oh, I've I've fallen asleep in a couple different Ubers. Let's just put it that way. I don't yeah. even know which one. Brazil as well. Too. That definitely happened. Yeah. Um, I guess my question kind of ties into this little bit too. I think you kind of alluded to it, so maybe it's uh, it's there is an explanation ready for it. But you know, with the regionals and internationals, especially this year, right? Last year, I don't think this was uh, a specific spawn theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. Uh, first off, I do appreciate like the amount of spawns, the amount of Pokesauce, the amount of gyms too. Right? I remember before we went to Vancouver for that regional. Uh, I was. I don't think Speed was there, but I was commentating. It was the same weekend as Reggie Drago, and I was like, mm-hmm. if anyone at Niantic's listening and loves us, like please set us up with some elite raids because this is right during our first day of the regional. And there's like no way we could go out and raid if you're at the venue or if you're judging yeah. or if you're commentating, etc. And there were like three or four Reggie Dragos right on top of the venue, which was nice. I was just like, you know, when I wasn't commenting, I was just like battling them in the backstage, <laughs> which was great. So I do a sh- shout out to, you know, the people that you mentioned, everyone responsible for with all these like in-person, in-game uh, spawns and everything. And the Double Dust is great too. Uh, I just got to say though, and I've, we've joked about this before, but there's a lot of Pampor, Pansage, and Panseer spawns, right? Is there a particular reason why there's so many of them? I guess maybe you said for the regional basis, but... I mean, I'm just like leaning into the meme at this point. That I'm going to be the world's like most XL Pampor carrier in the world. Uh, I'm not a big grinder, but I think uh, I think I've reached that mark. And if not, NAIC will will definitely solidify it. I'm at 3100 yeah. XL candy Pampor at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember you talking about that in a previous episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, you should probably look in the data and see, you know, if uh, I can confirm that you have the most. Oh. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're definitely in the top point oh 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 one percent. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Like those, that trio uh, essentially covers the entire world in terms of if you're traveling from somewhere, you will find like one of those or two of those three will be something mm -hmm. that is not uh, local to, to where you live. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, because of how frequently these tournaments happen, we do have to come up with a, a scalable way to support it, right? We can't really um, create a... a custom uh spawn set up for, for yeah. each uh tournament based on where they are and so this was you know what we felt like was a a pretty good solution um to that okay gotcha um you probably can't allude to anything in the future but my personal request <laughs> is not to have the the elemental monkeys next season <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll go for the most uh buffalon candies in the world after <laughs> season right. three yeah yeah well feedback yeah. to Okay. Yeah, I think I think Caleb and I discussed it as well. It'd be cool to have like PvP centric spawns in that area. And I know it's not as simple as looking at a specific cell and turning spawns on and off. I know it's not quite yeah. that simple, but mm -hmm. I do think it'd be cool if trainers could go to a regional championship as a spectator and catch Pokemon and then build a team and go to the next one with a team. I think that would yeah. be really, really cool. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of uh oh sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying that was a great idea. You know, I'll definitely chat with the, the team about that and, and see what we can do for next time. Yeah. Um, or next season because yeah. i remember at euic too after go wrapped up we're we're walking you know backstage and we're crossing by tcg which was coming up next yeah and we saw people in tcg like sitting there waiting to watch tcg they were playing go battle league right which is really cool yeah. right and because like a lot of people that uh play tcg vgc even unite and a lot of our production team too they're sitting there catching too when they, they have some free time right because with all these spawns they're, they're playing the community day when there is stuff too so i think that'd be cool for those that uh like other casters for the other games or just people that play other games or even judges they're like hey this is kind of cool there's a regional near me that i'm not staffing or working at or i'm not going to play mm -hmm. tcg or vgc at Right. You know, maybe I'll try that, right? And, you know, if they have those PP spawns, that could be cool. But yeah, I like the idea from Will. But again, no promises yeah. to anyone listening, but I think, uh, I think for sure. Cool. Yeah. I think the other thing too that it, it, I don't think a lot of people keep this in mind if they aren't sort of working on, on this game is um, if we go too heavy on those uh, Pokemon encounters at these events, then that could also drown out like a, a global event that's happening, mm -hmm. right? So sometimes it overlaps with a really cool global event that, you know, mm -hmm. people at the event are like, I really want to grind this, but I'm also yeah. at this event. And so that type of conflict and, and experiences are, are things that we really try to keep top of mind so that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, we can't just keep doing like one-off adjustments every single yeah. one of these tournaments. So we, need, we really need to put something together that works throughout the entirety of, of the season and isn't going to cause you know weird uh, conflict issues yeah yeah agreed so um next question coming up uh michael i did my homework i promise i watched the rest of the zoe interview okay <laughs> <laughs> but I, I watched the rest of that um i noticed that you mentioned uh again you said this earlier in our conversation as well that niantic invested a ton of resources to, into improving the foundation of pvp last year so mm -hmm. first of all again thank you for investing in PVP. That was a really huge moment for the com community. And we real we we noticed it, we realized it. I know we joked about short-term memory before. Uh everyone is is very much in in the mindset of like, what have you done for me lately? You know, mm -hmm. for better or worse. But I think a lot of trainers still remember that as being a huge moment for us, like a huge yep. moment of validation. So uh, but I want to juxtapose that against the fact that 
now there are more bugs that are popping up that seems almost as game breaking as the old ones. And you've talked a couple times already in this interview about uh, constraints, wh whether it's, you know, um, not being able to send employees over the weekend or shifting your focus away from PVP to other aspects of the game. One question I see on Twitter all the time is why doesn't Niantic just hire more devs to fix the problems? Because it seems like, you know, for someone who's not a programmer, who's not, you know, a software engineer, it seems like more devs, less issues. Is that the case or what's going on with that? Yeah, I've seen that too. I, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to like come off as, dismissive of of that type of a suggestion right but i do think that a lot of people maybe don't understand the nuances or the the realities of um of product development and especially within the um the software and, and gaming space right the more developers you bring on um the more complicated you know version control and um you know different like merging branches um uh happen within the game mm -hmm. and you know, it also is a business at the end of the day, and we need to make sure that we're operating a uh, financially viable business. And so that means that we don't really have like an unlimited amount of money to just hire and hire and hire. Um, so, you know, we, we have sort of our, our scope of, of, the, of the team, and, it, and it's a pretty big team, if, if I'm being honest. Um, we've got a, a great, you know, set of amazing engineers and uh, and marketers and producers and game designers. It's like a huge, like an incredibly collaborative cross-functional team. Um, but yeah, you know, the solution uh, is a little bit more complex than simply saying, you know, just hire more people. Um, uh, unfortunately, right? I actually wish it were, were that easy. Um, <laughs> And, you know, the, the code base, especially within PVP is incredibly, um, tricky and very specialized. So, you know, even just like hiring the best engineer in the world to come in and check this out, uh, there's quite a lot of, of ramp time that someone would need to, uh, sync in order to even get a foundational understanding of what's happening. I mean, try even like explaining some of the nuanced, uh, functionality of the game in terms of CMP ties, you know waiting a turn before swapping so that you can, uh, you know, catch an, an opponent, uh, you know, mid fast move, right? Like there are all these tiny little things that if you're not an expert on, you know, uh, engineering and programming, let alone an expert in the PVP system, you, you wouldn't really be an effective person at, um, you know, fixing a lot of the more uh, tricky issues, which I think the, a lot of the complaints that I, I do see and a lot of the, the bugs that I see reported really are coming from that like top 1% of the uh, PVP mm -hmm. player base that notice those like intricate uh, inconsistencies mm -hmm. that like for us, that's really frustrating and, uh, and annoying. Yeah. But, you know, for 99% of players, if you even like screen recorded and pointed to where that happened, they'd be like, I, I don't see it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's that's a product of the the competitive ceiling that's been that's begun to be established, right? With the world championships and everything else, uh, it's it's just a, a new level of scrutiny. And I do agree with you. Like, if you asked me even a year or two ago to identify some of these bugs, sometimes I wouldn't notice them as as consistently as other people could notice, right? And I play the game all the time, so I definitely think there's there's a challenge there. 
And I, I think, yeah, for a lot of players, it comes down to competitive integrity, right? Like if, if the game, cause a lot of, a lot of trainers have an idea of how the game is supposed to work in their minds. And some of them are so committed to that idea of how it's supposed to work that they will, you know, dispute, they'll uh, get upset, they'll put down GBL, you know, they'll threaten to retire for the fifth time. They get really frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> they're really frustrated with the game. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I know. I wish we could just snap our fingers and have it fixed. But obviously, like you said, just hiring more people and teaching them the basically like teaching them how to solve this puzzle and then putting them on onto, you know, daily chores or daily tasks, I should say, is just really challenging, too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And don't get me wrong. You know, I've, uh, I've had my fair share of molding in, uh, <laughs> in GBL. Um, and yeah, so I, I totally get it. Um, but you know, it's a tricky one. And also, I think I mentioned this to you both, even in, in Frankfurt, I, we were talking about similar things, right? Um, sometimes I, I do think players underappreciate the complexity of building such a fast and snappy and responsive system that functions across hundreds of different types of devices, across varying degrees of internet connectivity all around the world, right? And that is really, really difficult. Because um, how do you know when something is a, a game issue versus your hardware issue versus your network yeah. issue, right? Um, so yeah, it it's a trade-off. You know, Pokemon Go could have easily had a more traditional turn-based RPG mm -hmm. uh, battle system that would be flawless yeah. from a, you know, execution standpoint. But we felt like the type of, you know, frenetic, fast-paced fast uh, battle experience that we've put together is something incredibly unique and, and, and really fun um, for, for Pokemon Go. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, that does mean that it's a little bit more prone to some of these uh, issues that our top-tier players can identify. Yeah, I just want to give one, one more piece of context here as well, because a lot of trainers will watch the regional championships and they'll see a bunch of lag and they'll say, oh my God, you know, Niantic's at it again. I just want to add some nuance to that because it, there's so many factors, right? It could it could come down to a cable that's plugged into the phone that maybe got bent a weird way, or maybe that cable's been used a few times and it's not transferring data. Maybe a player stood up and kind of y yanked it loose a little bit. Uh, maybe it's it's the venue, right? Maybe the internet got disrupted in somewhere in Baltimore, or maybe it's mm -hmm. some other kind of issue. Sometimes, you know, maybe it is the game itself, but there's so many different variables as to why these things happen. And I'm so sorry, Michael, but a lot of the time people just assume it's Niantic. And <laughs> granted, that takes a lot of pressure off a of TPCI, but it's not always <laughs> fair to say that. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's neither. I mean, there have been venues yeah. where, like, it's a Wi-Fi issue, and, um, yeah. and it's not... Niantic nor TPCI are running the Wi-Fi to that building. It's the right. venue, and maybe the venue said like, "Yeah, our Wi-Fi is good, no problem, right?" And then, um, you know, it turns out to not, you know, live up to expectations there. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's like a commentator, you know, plugging in a phone or something and messing up the whole like electrical system in a in a <laughs> regional or international. That might have happened from time to time too. So you never know. But <laughs> yeah, those are good things to know. Um, I mean, you know, we're talking about mechanics too, and um. Uh, speaking from a mechanic standpoint, I would say that PP has been mostly the same since the change, at least from a mechanic standpoint, in the change in the like the the bubbles, right? The move bubbles mm -hmm. yeah. uh, were introduced, right? Before you had to like fiercely tap your phone, and uh, it was it was uh, it definitely got your heart racing for sure. I mean, it was a uh, it was it was people can't say PP is not an active game if they knew that uh, old feature. Mm -hmm. But um, that being said, uh, 
for what you can share with us, will there be any significant changes to BP that players should expect, you know, down the road, maybe a year, maybe two years, et cetera. Um, and this is not just my question. A lot of people asked similar questions in our comments too. They were asking about, you know, ability, status effects, held items, you know, a lot of things that we see in the main series game, VGC, yep, yep. as well as, I mean, you see some of it in Pokemon Unite as well, right? Right, right. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is one of those where I, I won't really be able <laughs> to, to answer. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, have heard the the feedback and uh, acknowledge the desire to uh, add more different functionality in, in uh, Pokemon Go PvP, but nothing that I can confirm or, or deny right now. Uh, okay. No yeah. worries. I mean, I think have, at least having that answered for people is like like the fact that you just can't share is at least acknowledgement is good that you're looking for i mean we mentioned a lot of these things on our regular episodes and we know that there's at least one niantic boy listening so for those that have these you know ideas and stuff feel free to continue commenting on our videos with it when we read it and uh you know maybe someone at niantic will will pick up on an idea that you like yeah yeah i mean the worst thing that Michael could have said is no, nothing planned at all. <laughs> yeah, period. Exactly. Yeah. Then we would know, right? But okay, so so again, uh, kind of limited in the scope there, but I think that's that's a solid answer, like you pointed out, Caleb. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Caleb, Michael, so there was a uh, I want to talk to you one on one. There was a regional championship recently oh in <laughs> Fresno, California. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of our fellow casters actually made it into the grand final. So first of all, two grand finals appearances in one season, yeah. super impressive. Yeah, but no. Secondly. Way. Well, <laughs> secondly what's I know, more I don't have impressive t-shirt in game <laughs> killed me <laughs> secondly what i found even more impressive though was the um the zero and six run that that caster went on in the grand finals did you have a chance to watch the stream i did i did i was rooting for you caleb you know uh, i was too but uh, at a certain point even i had to give up on that one <laughs> <laughs> honestly i mean but Super, super impressive. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I believe the trainer was uh, Elite, right? Mm-hmm. Who, yes. who ran it back. My God, imagine coming from loser's bracket and, and going mm-hmm. on a so running grand finals against Caleb of all people. Like that was as much as I, I'm always the person that's rooting for the underdog. I want it to be yeah, as yeah. close as a, of a battle too. as possible. Yeah. But um, that was just really impressive to see. So yeah. Um, Props, props to him. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, Caleb. For, That's all for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, we for an underdog. I felt like the underdog in that matchup. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I was like, I think if he had to reset the bracket three times, he would have done that easy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I we'll I had seen I had seen Elite play in Go Battle League Arena, uh, the grassroots tournament that I host, and it was it's really fun to watch these trainers come from Go Battle League and then go to Show Six and actually do really really well. Right. Uh, speaking of trainers coming from Go Battle League and going to Show Six. Michael, I know you've got a newborn, and I know the getting a weekend off is tough, but I think everyone would like to see you compete at a regional one day. Uh yeah, yeah. It's uh a little bit of a, a conflict of interest, I think. You know, I have joked though before that uh maybe one of these days I'll I'll retire from my job at Niantic and just take up, you know, competitive Pokemon Go PvP. Uh that'd be a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah unfortunately, I think it'd be a bad look, right? If if mm-hmm. a Niantic employee comes and, you know, goes far, like imagine being eliminated by a Niantic employee in, in you know, <laughs> the, the tournament. Um, so yeah, I unfortunately don't think that that is in the cards for me. Um, but I did have an opportunity recently to um, 
play show six, uh, bring six, pick three. Show six, pick three, yeah. Three. Or bring six, you can say two. Yeah, um, at the uh, PJCS tournament in, in Japan a couple of weeks ago. Um, That's true. That was a lot yeah. of fun. And I, you know, I now understand how uh, intense it is in terms of like, just like the nerves and the pressure of, of being on stage and, you know, like cameras pointing at you. Um, Cause I look back at my gameplay on that battle and I was like, this is so, my, my fast move, my, my charge move timing so bad. Oh, there's another, you know, wing attack that snuck through. Like, what am I doing? Um, it's like, you know, I don't make these mistakes when I'm sitting at home, you know, in bed, yeah. and, uh, like fully focus on what's happening. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I wish I, you know, could uh, participate in, in more of those, maybe more um, exhibition type things like I, I did yeah. at PCS could be, could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone even noticed the uh, the wing attack sneaking through. It's more so um, they remember the, the double bamboozle with the uh, the volt switch yeah. you with uh, what was it, grass side and rock side, like yeah. near yeah. perfect coverage into the team. So uh, that was definitely <laughs> fun to watch. So um, yeah, and you know, for those that are wondering too, like even like TPCI employees, like they they're not allowed to compete as well too because you know they work for the company too. So, uh, but if you ever end up competing one day, Michael, and, and you're worried it's a bad look, if you if you face me, just bring you know all week to Bastion and and I'll, I'll get the message. I'll, <laughs> make sure that you don't you don't take out too many competitors <laughs> sounds good yeah, yeah. Um, for that view, i do want to give a shout out to uh my friends bopper and and jibaku who um you know they were helping me theory craft my my team of six i knew that i wanted to bring my two favorite pokemon which were machamp and, and mew mm-hmm. and um based on our you know full roster of six we were trying to think of like how can we cover some of the um, gaps and weaknesses with, you know, use unique, uh, opportunities there. And yeah. I just couldn't believe how perfectly it worked out. <laughs> yeah. I did have to go down in shields, you know, uh-huh. to, to take out. Yeah, the yeah. Yeah. But, um, but then he didn't even shield the grass dot. On yeah. His- the one V two there is very satisfying. <laughs> oh, that was, that yeah. was just, that was beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. It was special. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, hey, if you if you're down to exhibition stuff, I'm sure TBCI uh, would be happy to make it happen at a future tournament. So we'll see. I mean, I battle Speedy at exhibition battles too, and uh, mm-hmm. he's actually battled quite a few times. He's still looking for his first W there. So <laughs> we'll yeah, <see. laughs> yeah, sounds good. I I love to see Michael battle some of our producers. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know. You know, you have my contact info. So. <laughs> all right, sounds good. We'll we'll, we'll pass all uh, the info on to TBCI as well. Um. So we uh so we've we've mentioned this and and if you've heard our podcast a couple of times we you probably heard you know us talking about this but uh, we often often comment about uh kind of the declining value of items in boxes being sold in the shop right well just really just the box value itself and then what's in it um and in the past few years uh, we've seen you know a lot of much better boxes being sold um. But, you know, instead of the boxes improving in quality over time or staying the same, we've kind of seen the opposite, right? I, I personally have a lot of screenshots of like, oh, my gosh, like this box from like two years ago. Like, I remember when I saw it, I was like, I got to take screenshots of this. Like, I remember I used to take these screenshots and be like, I'm never buying another box unless it's better than this one or the same, yep. right? Which uh, I ended up obviously not sticking to that plan. But um, so we haven't heard any, you know, official explanation regarding these boxes. And um, we're just curious if you can share... Uh, if there's like a concrete reasoning behind the decline value of the boxes, the box change, will they, you know, increase in value? Are they testing different things, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, that that's a, you know, 
That's definitely one of the harder questions I think to answer um, because I, I really don't want to get too into, you know, like monetization and, and things like that within mm -hmm. Pokemon Go here. What I will say is it's always tough because you always have the, the best deal at some point that goes out that players reference, right? It's like, mm -hmm. how come we can't get this bundle again? It's like, well, that was like a really special, like huge discount that we offered and we, we can't always, you know, be, be offering things like that. Um, I also think, you know, for a long time, we had just sort of a default set of, of boxes in, in the store that um, were incredibly good deals. Um, and it's probably a little bit irresponsible of us as, as developers to just let them ride for as, as long as they did. And, um, you know, it's it's really tough and, and painful. And I know a lot of players are, are frustrated by, um, uh, you know, some, some changes lately, but ultimately we really do have to do right by what we believe is the, the true value of the different um, items and experiences that, that we offer in the game. And we're also always trying to test things out and, you know, dip our toes over here um, and, and see what works best. Um, but yeah, I, you know, that, that's probably the, the most I can I can share on that front. Um, we are always going to be trying to come up with different uh, bundle offerings and, and different uh, uh, amounts of uh, value offerings. Um, you know, we also launched the, the web store, which, you know, you'll be able to get um, better discounts from um, uh, now and in the future. And I, I know that, you know, there is a little bit of uh, snarkiness on, on this podcast <laughs> about the, the web store specifically, but um, but yeah, like ultimately we, we you know, we, we do want to um, offer the, the best value possible through that uh, because that's savings that both Niantic and uh, players get um, by, by purchasing there, right? Instead of, um, yeah, going through like app stores uh, and, and things like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, regardless of what people think about the online store, like if they're trying to buy Pokecoins, like it doesn't make sense to actually buy it through the app rather than the, the store if you're able to. So um, still something there. Okay, well, cool. Well, we appreciate you sharing your thoughts on that. You know, I think iconically, um, the first time I ever said the phrase hot garbage was around the boxes. So at least from a content <laughs> perspective, uh, it did add to the podcast there. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but that pretty much wraps it up for our questions that me and Speedy came up with. And the remaining ones our questions uh, for the most part, besides maybe one more to wrap it up from Speedy, um, our questions from our community and our listeners and viewers. So uh, myself and Speedy will just tag team back and forth, like just pop sure. back and forth on these. Um, yeah, you good. can take the first one, Speedy. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Michael, I have a theory about this one, but I just wanted to ask you and see what you thought. Uh, I hear this a lot, not only from people in the comments, but also from other creators. They just wonder why bad moves exist, like bad fast attacks, bad charge attacks. Like why does Azumarill have Rock Smash if it's useless? Or why is Twister such a bad dragon move? Can right. you speak to those moves and kind of like the depth of, of uh, fast and charge attacks in Pokemon Go in general? Sure. Um, I probably don't have like the deepest answer for this one other than, you know, everything's relative, right? And the good moves are good because they're relatively better than, than other moves in the game. And so without those relatively worse moves, you know, none of, yeah, you know, none of the, none of the moves would, would be, you know, quote unquote good. Um, and at the same time too, we, we don't want every Pokemon to have the exact same energy generation, exact same, uh, 
you know, charge move and fast move damage output. We want there to be a, a variety in the game. Um, it also gives us uh, balance opportunities in the future, right? To make something that uh, might currently not be um, super viable or, or meta relevant and, and completely flip things on its head. Um, so um, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the TLDR there. I think even in the main series games, right? You have moves that you get at lower levels for Pokemon that you just sort of uh, level out of essentially and you never touch again. Um, so, you know, you always want to make sure that there are moves that it's like, oh, these are the, the good ones. And yeah. I think that's also a really important part of learning and discovery as a, as a player and as a trainer and, and feeling that sense of mastery of, you know, I know what is good in Pokemon Go uh, because I have done the, the homework and I, you know, can like, rule out these moves and know that these ones are the ones to um, mm-hmm. lean into. So. Yeah. To me, this has always been a question. I feel like a lot of trainers will, will say, well, why don't we just have like a wild Mewtwo around every corner or why isn't every event like the most jam packed event of all time? It's because it, it, it devalues the things that come afterwards. Right. And if you look at, uh, you know, previous Pokemon games, the Pokemon and Pokemon Go, I think Pokemon like like Hypno or Mew probably have the most in terms of uh, availability of charge attacks. Maybe you can make an argument for something like Weezing. But if you look at the main series games, they can have dozens and dozens and dozens of attacks that they can learn. And to your point, you actually hit on the, the note that I wanted to strike as well. Um, the reason that I don't think it's wise to say, oh, we should just buff Rock Smash and make like a really strong three-turn fighting type attack. What if Rock Smash has like a different effect down the road? Or what if you want to change one of the fast attacks to have like, I don't know, a status effect or something like that afterwards? It leaves the door open so that you can continue to like get deeper into the game and level through the strategy, right? And obviously, I won't put you on the spot again because you've already said you can't address future updates. So we'll leave it at that. And uh, Caleb, if you want to take the next one. Yeah, I mean, I think like a great, uh, like I agree with a lot Michael said just from like a logical perspective too because I mean, there's not only are there some moves that are worse than others, there's just some Pokemon that don't perform as well as others in like PvP and whatever. Like a Hariyama is never going to be a Metacham, right? No matter how you strike it. Maybe an Ultra League, but that's about it, you know? So I think like that'll always be a theme uh, not only within Pokemon, but like pretty much any game, right? There's always going to be different tiers. And I, I do like what you said, like, it, it does show a sense of mastery and learning of the game in PvP once you kind of realize which ones are the good moves. Like, I started out my PvP journey running at, uh, at Acid, um, Victory Bell, and a Spirit Tomb. I was like, Spirit Tomb is only weak to one type. This is great, right? Oh. Yeah, it, was, it was not good. Yeah, that's that that's a double move Pokemon I have that I regret. But um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll scrap that. Anyway, uh, speaking of moves here too, right? And I think this is especially on the heel of the one of the most recent Rocket events is um and i personally feel this but i don't know like I, i'm not sure just in general if there's like a less distribution or just i'm using charge tms more or tms in general or i'm just not doing as many raids as i used to um but it seems like uh a lot of people were asking this too in the comments like will there be a tm you know rework right for fast moves uh charge move uh charge tms fast tms elite T- fast TMs, elite charge TMs, right? Because those are very expensive. Sometimes, like, some people think, like, oh, if you use one elite charge TM or elite TM in general, you should be able to just go back to that move if you can rather than having to mm-hmm. use another one if you have to switch it back over, right? Because uh, it's hard to build multiple copies of the same Pokemon just to avoid having the TM stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But just in general, it seems like a lot of people don't have a lot of charge TMs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
myself included. So, um, but I wonder if the distribution will increase potentially down the road, but also will there be a, ever a rework to it? Because I don't think there's ever been a rework outside of just the introduction of elite TMs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, trust me, I, I definitely understand this one as someone who had to build that unique new moveset for the... <laughs> yes, yeah. I don't even want to share how many uh, TMs I have to get that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't think we are planning to you know rework the, the TM system. And, and I think it's kind of in the design philosophy around Pokemon Go in general, right? We, we want to keep the game as accessible as possible and i guess we could create a system where every tm is kind of like an elite tm where you get to choose whatever move you want but we do want people to like i mentioned earlier feel like you know you're earning things and and progressing towards building these pokemon and the alternative would be you know probably similar to the the main series games where there's like a tm for every single move right Mm -hmm. and then that also becomes a little bit um clunky and complicated and you know, from a, a new user standpoint, how do you sort through and, and rationalize the hundreds of different TMs that, you know, would be available in Pokemon Go and mm-hmm. which Pokemon you can you can use it on and, and whatnot? Um, obviously, I think the main series game has done a great job at striking that balance, but it's also just a very different style of game in, t- in terms of like how you collect your Pokemon and also how accessible it is. You know, there's a reason why Pokemon Go is the most played Pokemon game of, of all times because a lot of people um, are much more open to trying out something that was a little bit simpler to, to understand there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we try to distribute uh, TMs in the uh, sources where they would be needed most, right? So in, in uh, PvP and in GBL, you get uh, TMs through the rewards track there, you get them through um, through rating. So those are like the battle systems where you want to use Pokemon. So we want to give you the resources through those and, and create that, you know, full su- uh, cycle game loop. Um, and yeah, I just think especially uh, players who probably participate in a lot of the more like grassroots tournaments are maybe just feeling that um, that friction a little bit more than, than other people, right? Mm-hmm. I, I know people that have hundreds of TMs that are just deleting them because they don't really know why they would be using so many. Um, but the like super hardcore grassroots <clears throat> PVP players can't get enough of them because mm-hmm. you're building so many different Pokemon for so many different condensed metas and, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's like a non-answer, but that's kind of, you know, our, our POV on, on that and, and why okay. things are structured the way they are. Yeah. I mean, again, like this is not a, uh for those who are listening, it's not like Michael's decision per se, right? Like I'm sure mm-hmm. he would love to get all the TMs back he's used on the Mew and stuff. But <laughs> um, but again, having an answer is still better than not having an answer on it. So we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You want to take next Thank one, you. Speed? Yeah, I'm looking at where you... Um... Uh, sorry, yeah, I, I insert that out of nowhere because we it's okay. not on the list, but you're on number 12 here, yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, oh, this is an interesting one. So... Mm-hmm. Over the past few years, we've been encouraged to develop friends from overseas, whether it was post- with postcards, remote rating, or other features in the game. Would we be able to activate a remote lucky friend trading for international friends with limitations? 
only during events cannot be for you cannot be for a pokemon that you don't have registered in the pokedex uh so we can continue interacting with international friends that we are unlikely to ever meet in person yeah uh that one's such a tricky one and uh i can really empathize with with these players who you know similarly i have a litany of lucky friends that i'm like i'm realistically i'm, I'm never going to be able to to trade with them you know i've mm-hmm. i've added people at at GoFest or, or other events that you know i probably wouldn't be able to recognize their their face yeah. if i ever saw them again you know but mm-hmm. we've exchanged gifts and whatnot that's a lie i don't really exchange gifts much anymore but back in the <laughs> day i used to yeah. a lot and i have a lot of lucky friends from that um so, you know, that, that's something that we've designed intentionally within Niantic. And again, I know that it's a, a point of frustration for a lot of players, but what I will say is when you do go to uh, a regional tournament, when you do go to GoFest, when you um, go out to community day to hang out with your Pokemon Go local community that, you know, you maybe only see once a month, that's a really powerful social, you know, lubricant essentially, right? You always look for the people that you know are going to be at that same event as you, that you've been lucky friends with for a while to meet up and, and you have that uh, Pokemon that you've been meaning to, to trade. Um, and that becomes like a, a really powerful moment. Um, and so that's kind of a, a trade-off that you end up making, right? You lose that moment of in-person um, excitement by creating something that you can you can do remotely with each other. Um, so at least currently, that that's kind of where our thinking is on that. Um, again, I know it can uh, sometimes be frustrating, and it's a little hopeless to see <laughs> those people on your friends list with the gold sparkle behind them, um, knowing that that's probably never going to go away. Um, but we feel like that trade-off is, is worth it in order to empower those um, really unique in-person uh, experiences. So, Okay. Sounds good. Um, why isn't there an unranked GPL mode or unlimited GPL battles per day? Uh, is to add on to that is show six pick three too challenging for GPL, or is this something the team has thought about slash plans to implement? Yeah, I'll answer the the second question first. So, um, you know, I personally am a big fan of show six pick three, um, but I do think that again, to that accessibility point, that does make the experience a lot more complex and, and intimidating for players who aren't already very invested in, in PvP. So we probably wouldn't uh, be looking to integrate that format into the, the GBL system where uh, it's always been intended to be a lot more easily, uh, you know, easy for players to sort of like jump in and, and try out. Um, in terms of the first question around like an unranked mode or an unlimited uh, sets per day, um, on the unranked mode front, especially people that like the higher elos and, and whatnot can already attest to the fact that queue times can be really long sometimes. And if you split your player base even further, um, that you know only would pull away from what those what those queue times uh, would be. And so when we have people participating in, in PvP and in GBL, we really want to be funneling everybody to the same source so that, you know, you have as uh, seamless of an experience as possible and you're not sort of sitting there waiting um, because now you've split 
the player base into, you know, people who want to GBL versus people who want to, you know, just like practice or, or whatnot. Um, so that, that's really the, the main reason there. And, and in terms of the, the daily limit, um, we've made PVP something that you can play at, at home, right? And, um, and I think that's a, a great thing to add to the game as far as um, something you can do when you're not out and about. But we also don't want that to be the the only thing that people are, are doing all day in, in Pokemon Go. And, you know, again, maybe this is just me personally, but I could totally find myself getting lost for hours and hours uh, mm -hmm. playing PvP. You know, I, I get that that 05 set, and I really want to make up for the, <laughs> the lost ELO. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that... While we want that to be a, a great experience for for people at home, we wouldn't want we don't want that to be the completely dominant part of uh, you know how you engage with Pokemon Go uh, every single day. Gotcha. Yeah, I I agree with your your point there, Michael. I feel like um, through previous conversations that I've had and just thoughts that I thought like thought processes that I've gone through over the past few years, I definitely feel that because Go Battle League is a stationary activity, that's why it's capped. That's always been like my own internal reasoning. But I think some people take it a step further and they say, well because it's capped and because you aren't actively going out there and doing things, that's why Niantic, you know, doesn't invest more in it. That's why they don't like it because it doesn't align with the mission. And that's mm -hmm. why maybe some people don't feel as energized or excited about Go Battle League as, as some of the players do. Right. I won't ask you to answer that, but that's like, that's like the, the, again, like a very pessimistic chain of thought, but that's essentially right. where it takes a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, you know, I, I can, yeah understand how players can come to those conclusions um yeah you know, hopefully i uh was pretty open and and honest mm -hmm. about uh where our, our sort of prioritization lies right now and um you know that that's kind of uh, how, how things are it doesn't really have to do with the fact that um pvp is is a stationary thing um yeah okay yeah. That, that makes I, a lot of sense and also maybe hot take too i personally like the fact that it's limited um in that regard because uh, i think it actually adds more value to those that hit legend or expert or veteran etc whatever elo they end up hitting because um i think it was i forgot i think it was um i think it was pablo one of our uh commentators for tcg that posted yeah. about like has anyone hit like you know legend in go battle league and like like the master ball rank in like vgc and you know uh, i forgot what the equivalent ranked is in tcg and the master and unite right like has anyone done all these in a season or whatever or just in general right it's like mm -hmm. the ultimate like pokemon trainer task and people were commenting like oh like i've done some of these or whatever and then a lot of people were like yeah actually legend and pokemon go is probably the hardest one out of the four right mm -hmm. to do um, pokemon unite like you literally could hit it in a day right um if you're good or if you're not good you just eventually keep grinding until you get it because the elo just like inflation and everything but i think um because you have limited sets, you only have so many attempts to get to it, which, um, you know, you it's it's very limited, which kind of accentuates the the skill difference um, that people have. Which um, some people might not like it because they just want that Pikachu Libre and that Legend Ring pose and whatever. But at the same time, like um, I don't know, I've always believed that not everyone should get a trophy, right? Like I think you, you <laughs> like there, there's more value to it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's something to be said about you know it being so challenging also making it feel that much more rewarding when when you mm -hmm. do get it um yeah so yeah definitely agree with you there yeah 
Exactly. I, I wanted to piggyback one last point here about uh, show six pick three. Um, so I personally feel that it's really important to grow the championship series uh, by having some form of practice mode for mm-hmm. trainers to play show six pick three, because that's the official tournament format. It's yeah. like if, if you tried up for the NBA and all your practice games were three V three, and then you actually play and it's five versus five. It's right. just a completely different format. I feel like a lot of trainers don't know how to get into the championship series because there's no real way into it. All they know how to do is play Go Battle League, right? Yeah. If you talk to them about building a team of six, it's really, really challenging. So again, I won't ask you to answer this one, Michael, but just just for everyone who I'm, I'm speaking vicariously for, I think we'd really love to see some show six pick three and Go Battle League, maybe even as a cup during the world championship event would be a great way to get people introduced to the game. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> you're really yeah. trying to give uh, some developers some homework in the next month. <laughs> we got big dreams. Yeah, I think it's good feedback. What I'll say is where I'd like to start with that are those local um, mm-hmm. tournaments, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I I genuinely do believe that uh, uh, show six pick three is pretty complex for someone mm. that would like stumble upon that game mode in in the Very. game that's trying PvP for the first time, and so yeah. having those local tournaments where you have people that are there that can walk you through it and explain, yep. you know, how this works. I really think is just a much better user experience than kind of throwing someone into the deep end through the the game's um, limited UI on that point. So. Yeah, and I think to play That's devil's right. advocate here too, but not even that. I think it's my own personal perspective on this. It is I think I probably prefer at the moment time for GPL to stay that blind three format um, because uh, for a developer and engineer to just make a show six pick three is definitely a lot of work out of nowhere and um i'd rather i'm sure there's a lot of other things that they're working on addressing and stuff like that that you know uh doing this would take a lot of time away from that uh but i agree with you too i was thinking the same thing before you even said it the, the local tournaments i think especially if we're going to nine takes helping like promote it and elevate it and tpci is also kind of just like blow it out of the water with even more opportunities mm-hmm. um i think that in itself is also uh an even better show six uh pick three practice opportunity if obviously if you can make it right if you don't have any then that's unfortunate but if you have the ability to make it to those because um again playing in person like you said like is very different than playing online right and so mm-hmm. like there's some people that are really really good online and then they show up in person they're like wait is this the same guy like that battle like on gpl because it doesn't feel like it right, uh, right. or even yeah. some of these grassroots show six online tournaments so i think having that in-person experience uh, be able to like get familiar with it and get over some nerves, I think can help a lot um, as they prepare for their first ever or, uh, or second ever regional or international and stuff like that. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a, this is a bit of a gear shift, but this is an interesting question for one of our listeners. Will we ever see bottle caps or a comparable IV modifier item similar to the main series game? I know that chasing hundos and shundos and raids is a big revenue driver for the company, but either having it be a limited item like a master ball or making it really expensive to account for the lost revenue of those raids would be useful. I don't know how I feel about this item, Michael, because like you said before, with the TM system in Pokemon Go, it's unique to Pokemon Go because of the way the game works. I don't know that I believe a bottle cap system would work in Pokemon Go, but it would feel really good to take all of my 14, 15, 15s and make them hundos. That would be really nice. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. I have a shiny 14, 15, 15 Groudon. Um, oh. It's like, come on. you know. Did you power it up already or are you like... Or you I did. For, I for did. <laughs> I tried to. I tried to justify it. Uh, no, you no, had no. the Twitter poll about this, right? 
Yeah. Was it used? Yeah, yeah, but there's a big difference between the 14, 15, 15 and the 15, 15, 14. That's true. Yeah, yeah true, true. 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 Master League. So, um, uh, yeah, how can you not power up something like that? It's just <laughs> close. Um, yeah, again, this would be one that I, I can't really share any, you know, future plans, um, uh, whether or not that is something that we, we would uh, want to do or, or look into. But um, yeah, I think you, you've touched on some of the big challenges with that type of a, an item in a system, right? Um, I guess what I would say is, if that were to be something that we would ever incorporate into Pokemon Go, I'd want us to solve for um, filling in that gap that um, it would create in terms of the uh, existing collection mechanics in, in the game, right? Mm. Give players something else and, and something new to, to chase. Um, you know, if we give folks a, essentially a shortcut to uh, getting what they want in terms of like the stat distribution. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what is uh, your belief, your personal belief about the relative priority of competitive PvP compared to raiding? Um, releasing new Pokemon and live events. Um, and then the follow-up to that is, what do you think that priority list looks like for people at the C-suite level? Mm, yeah, I know. This is actually... Um, so I feel like I, I've touched on at least the, the first part of that earlier in, in, the, yeah. um, in tonight's combo. Uh, but the second part is maybe one that uh, I'd love to, to clear up, which is... Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like sometimes the like the the C-suite folks within Niantic, uh, um, similar to uh, myself, get thrown a lot of uh, of heat from <laughs> from the player base. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I can confidently say that John Hankey, our, our CEO, doesn't try to micromanage too much of you know what's happening on on the day to day within within Pokemon Go. Um, mm-hmm. He asks really tough questions sometimes, you know, but um, he, he does really trust the, the team to, to make our own decisions on, on a lot of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I, I want to sort of, I guess, clarify some of, some of those things. Um, and obviously, you know, there are decisions that are made that I don't personally agree with, but I, um, I wouldn't characterize them as things that are, you know, sort of uh made by folks that are that are out of touch or um not like deeply involved in, in the game on a on a day-to-day basis right gotcha yeah i've definitely seen like people online and be like oh like they're trying to sabotage everything their own game and stuff like that too and part of me is like uh i don't know like i don't really have evidence to say otherwise but like it is their biggest product to my knowledge <laughs> so that'd be kind yeah. of wild to like try to sabotage it purposefully but um yep. but yeah that's that's good to hear all right. Uh, next question here. I know this is an evolving question. It changes uh, constantly, but one of our viewers wanted to know, will we ever have a solution for spoofing? Hmm. Um, we've really stepped up our uh, anti-spoofing, anti-cheating um, initiatives over the, over the past year, I would say. We try not to be too, you know, public a- about that because um, uh, there's sort of like the, counter anti-spoofing measures that that people can take the more information you divulge so um i I think a lot of players see individuals bragging about their ability to spoof and and just assume that that's kind of uh being allowed to run rampant without any sort of checks and balances 
Um, but that, you know, I can say that's not the case. We've, we've banned so many uh, spoofing accounts over the past year. And, and if that's something that you do and you're listening, you know, do it at your own risk because uh, we've definitely stepped up our, our ability to, um, to decipher those things and, uh, and, and we are taking action. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's nothing worse than a false positive on, on cheating in Pokemon Go. Right. You're a super active player. Maybe you had like crazy GPS drift or, or, you know, something along those lines. Maybe you are a world traveler or whatever. Um, and, and you get banned one day. Right. And mm -hmm. you're playing totally legit. We, we don't ever want that to be an experience for, for anybody. So we do really try to make sure that when we uh, make the decision and the determination that someone is cheating, that we know, you know, with as much accuracy as possible that that is in fact the case and not something that we're mm -hmm. like 80%, 90% sure on. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Michael, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes Caleb and I get nervous. I mean, we're connecting to different airports around the world. We're going to these events. There was one time when uh, I, I think there was some kind of, I, I don't even know how it happened, but for a, a few minutes, our devices thought we were in Milwaukee when we're actually in California. <laughs> And we're looking at our phones like, oh my God, what if we get banned right now at the tournament? It would be yeah. crazy. That Well, I didn't experience that one, but I remember at EUIC in London this past year, uh, everyone was at the venue and I was in like some weird like gym, like not like gym gym, like actual like boxing gym or fitness gym, like about five, 10 miles north of where we were at in the venue. It was so <laughs> odd. I was playing community by myself, like on an island. Um <laughs> I don't know what I don't know. I don't even think that's a night. I think that that's like whatever the Wi-Fi venue was. It was super yeah. odd. It was super odd. I don't know like how that even happened. It was maybe maybe like the building structure, but um, yeah, super strange one there. I, you know, yeah. I wish I could uh, explain that one to you. But <laughs> band, you know. So I think our telemetry is really strong in terms mm -hmm. of you know not flagging any false positives. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think. I think also like whatever you see on Twitter, like people saying it's a false positive, like it could easily still be someone that did do something like yeah. a little sketchy and they don't want to, you know, they're not going to out themselves. Right. And they're going to try to see if they could like maybe get their account back for other, you know, saying they didn't do it. So that's always something I always take with a grain of salt. Cause I'm like, well, I mean, I, don't, I was like, I don't know. I'm mean, like, I can't speak for Niantic here on what you did, right. but, um, right. yeah, just know we, we take it super seriously and we're doing our best to, uh, ensure that as best as we can that there's like a level playing field and, and that, you know, um, spoofers aren't able to just continually um, uh, get away with it. Um, but yeah, again, we definitely want to make sure that when we make that call that we are very, very certain that um, the illicit activity is happening. Definitely. Um, so this is a question kind of uh, a little bit back relate to rating as well. So they were asking, does the carbon footprint of the game uh, concern you or like Niantic in any way, as in like the only way for rural players to play is occasionally head into the city, given rates are unrealistic when no community exists in their local area. Uh, mm -hmm. Getting to a city almost certainly involves some form of driving, even if it's to the nearest transportation hub or people doing like raid trains, uh, you know, just driving to multiple raids. Um, is any consideration given to this? And I, I guess just to add on to a lot of times, even for my own personal raid purposes, um, there's not too many I could easily do by myself. So sometimes I do have to drive over to like Santa Monica or, you know, right. to some area where a lot of my friends are raiding just to, you know, do them to collect. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this question. Um, 
it's a really interesting one and honestly not one that I personally put too much thought into if I'm just being totally honest. Um, mm-hmm. Genuinely, we try to build Pokemon Go in a way that encourages the the opposite of that, right? We you're like speed locked if you're if you're you know moving too fast while while playing. I do understand like sometimes you want to drive to your raid. I've, I've definitely done that, you know, myself um, from from time to time. But uh, I do think a lot of those examples and experiences are again more sort of at the like higher end um, and you know sort of top you know, a couple percentage uh, uh, players in the game um, versus, you know, I think a lot more people are encouraged to actually go out and, and walk through playing Pokemon Go and, you know, might walk to go run an errand as opposed to drive there just so you can actually catch Pokemon and have a, you know, more fun experience. Um, at least I, I would I would like to believe that that's the 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 larger impact that that we make in terms of carbon footprint is encouraging people to actually get out on foot and you know go and, and explore the the world around them um and you know the uh carbon footprint thing is something that we at niantic really do take pretty seriously though as a uh, as an organization and our social impact team really tries to partner with us um, all the time to uh either bring Pokemon Go activities to like open street events or, um, you know, partner together with the the Earth Day initiatives and uh, make sure that we're sort of like giving back. And I think last year we planted something like, uh, I'm going to like, you know, misremember the number, but I think it was like over 30,000 trees or or something like that, um, you know, through Pokemon Go um, actions. And so, you know, it is something that we are trying to make a positive contribution to the world, both in terms of the gameplay that we build and and also um, the social impact commitments that we make as a, as a company. Gotcha. Nice. nice. Uh, yeah. Did you want to I think the, oh, sorry, sure. I, I think the, I just wanted to make one final point. I think the, um, the earth events that we've done in the past, the cleanups and everything like that, I think that's really, really exciting. And I think that a missing link of social culture these days it feels like you might've heard this theory as well, Michael, that there's no third place anymore. Either you go home or you go to work, finding Mm -hmm. that third place, whether it's joining with your community or it's doing a community service, like cleaning up a beach, Mm -hmm. that's where you make a lot of friends that you wouldn't make otherwise. And I feel like Niantic and Pokemon Go can facilitate that in a huge way. Um, I I got a curveball for you. I hope you're ready. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) All right. Would you fight one ponytail size ducklet or 10 Ducklet sized ponytas. You have to choose. Pony size ponyta sized ducklet or ten ducklet sized ponytas. Mm-hmm. Gotta choose. I'll take the single ducklet. You know? Take take the big one. The yeah, big ducklet. Ponyta's got all that fire on it. Right? <laughs> yeah. You have sort of like a almost like a forest fire surrounding you, I feel like, with, with the ten Ooh. of the small ones coming around. So even like a small pet <laughs> lot, I feel like you're you're in trouble. Um, it's like dealing with fire ants. <laughs> Those are annoying. <laughs> I just, I'm just trying to get this visualization of this gigantic blue ducklet walking towards you. And Michael's like, got his boxing gloves on. He's like, all right, <laughs> this is it. Okay. Uh, Let's clarify. Um, that was not a question that someone that asked. Like, no, speedy, speedy no, that was my. Up. Okay, yeah. I, <laughs> it's, I've been wait. I've been waiting almost two hours to ask Michael that. That's all that's been <laughs> on my mind. Yeah. Um, the hard hitting ones. I appreciate it. Ducklet yeah, also yeah, looks yeah. much more friendly, right? I feel like we could talk it out. True. You know. 
Fair, fair. Uh, so this is the legit question. I think this is secretly Caleb's question. Uh, when do we mine. get level 60? When do we get level 60 in the game? Blink twice if it will happen. So YouTube viewers, you check it out. Oh, jeez. My eyes are going to like dry out over here. <laughs> no, um, yeah, nothing to share on that front. Sorry. Uh, I do feel like, you know, we still have a lot of players that are working towards 50. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we'd want to make sure that uh, it's the right time in terms of um, user penetration on the on the current level cap before we yep. you know, start looking at the next one. Yeah, I will say to me personally, and obviously I've played like pretty much every game since uh, every day since I got the game, I downloaded the game. But uh, right before the Go Beyond update, right before we had level fifty, I was for the most part done like spending Stardust. Like I didn't really spend Stardust much. Like for once, I was actually saving Stardust uh, right. for quite a bit of time. And then level fifty dropped, and like I'm like constantly like never have stardust right but but i did like i did hit like that threshold where i was like i pretty much have everything built that i need to right like you're not gonna make yeah. multiple azumarill and stuff um right. at level 40 or whatever so i think um uh so yeah I, I mean i think it would be way too soon for level 60 anytime uh anytime now uh, soon but uh, even back when before go beyond i didn't know it was coming i was like hey like you should prepare like i i, I still did you know mass evolutions and f egged for every you know friendship level of just so i had to execute but, but now i'm like i'm on another different level i'm like i have like 500 like coughing xl even though i have a galarian um wheezing already built for ultra league i'm like well you never know like that i'm going to need more candies potentially down the road that's um, impressive i i realized with this current rotation that i don't have enough xls for a glaring wheezing so yeah i've been saving all my my coughings recently to to try to get it yeah yeah but yeah definitely. i'm jealous well, everything i see those like people are posting really good glaring and wheezing lines mm -hmm. and i'm like i want to try that but oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah definitely and and also you know maybe shadow glaring wheezing one day so you know i'm, I'm just and <laughs> ahead is you know my my mentality you never know um yep, some of my yep. friends are like you have 600 wob fat cells i was like i do um <laughs> Do you have a, a purified hundo wobbuffet? No, I actually don't. So that's actually the problem. So, uh, so technically, you should like subtract like about like two hundred fifty something, but sixty something. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't have. I don't actually have one that I, I could uh, power up. But um, I have so two. I have two purified hundo wobbuffets. Whoa, yeah. whoa. So, so here's here's the secret: six hundred fifty six. Because you need 296 XLs for the regular and 360 for the Shadow Hundo. So 656, that's my goal for every every PvP viable Pokemon. No, no, no. And, but because it's a Hundo for Great League, and if they have level 60, that spread is not going to be a Hundo anymore. Or even if you, it is a Hundo, you still need to power up even more because it doesn't even hit 1500. Get ready. Get ready. Speaking. Yeah, you need more. You need more. Yeah. yeah. Five years later, we're going to reflect on this moment. And... <laughs> I'll be there to say I told you so. Um, this uh, trainer also said, I really like the map during the last Halloween event with the Pokestops mm. being orange and the little pumpkins mm. all over them. Is yeah. it planned to have more of those cosmetic enhancements to the map appearance for future events? And I got to say, too, also on top of that, like Halloween's like honestly becoming like my favorite like event every year, yeah. too. So <laughs> I'm not even looking forward to like the IRL Halloween events anymore. It's just for the ghost stuff um yeah no, i'm yeah, glad you think one. so the, the team really went above and beyond for for that event um mm -hmm. and uh and yeah we loved it too so we definitely want to do more of, of that in the game um it's just about finding the the right opportunities that thematically make sense you know so yeah. uh mm -hmm. yes i'm happy to confirm that you can expect more of that in the future for sure nice 
Very nice. All right. Got a long one here, but I think we're approaching the end of our questions. So light at the end of the tunnel. Um, this question's a, this question's a whopper. Are you able to elaborate on some of the internal barriers that prevent full transparency with Pokemon Go? Often it feels like information is being withheld and it's hard to understand why. It's definitely a major source of frustration for the community. For example, dev diaries. We understand now that the workload was underestimated and uh, what internally prevents, oh, excuse me, the workload was underestimated, but what internally prevents a post explaining this being released six months to a year ago? rather than it being revealed unofficially in an interview almost two years later. Shout out to Michael Stronka. Love everything he does to keep this game alive. Yeah, well, I want to pass that shout out uh, past me and, and to, the, to the rest of the team. You know, I, I definitely think that um, just as I, I take a lot of heat for, for the game, I, I do think that a lot of uh, credit is uh, thrown my way that it's not deserved uh, as well either. So uh, I, I do want to make sure that people know that the rest of the team is equally as passionate and, um, you know, trying to do their best to make the best experience possible here. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know how much I can really go into an answer for this one, to be honest, um, other than it's it's just incredibly complex, right? We're, we're a game that operates in over a dozen languages around the world. We want to make sure that there's parity across those languages, including any sort of like cultural nuances that that happen where you might say something in one language and it translates completely wrong in another. So, you know, all the due diligence there, the fact that, you know, we um, we co-produce this product with um, with the Pokemon company. So we want to make sure that both companies are, are super aligned with, you know, everything that um, we want to would share with the, the player base. Um, there's just a lot that that goes into communication that um, that I, I feel like gets a little bit uh, um, uh, I don't know underappreciated maybe um, from from players because uh, yeah and and also that that extends to I know that we have a, an issue sometimes with the um, accuracy of of our comms. Um, and similar thing there too, right? Like we're oftentimes talking about hundreds of different Pokemon over the course of, of a month and across all these different languages and trying to figure out how we can visually represent that in, in our marketing. Um, and so, you know, I never want to come off as if I'm, I'm making excuses with, with any of these responses, but I at least just want people to understand the, the nuance and complexity that goes into, um, you know, creating effective comms for such a complex and, and global game. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, I guess this is our last one on our list here, unless, unless something else comes up. Uh, PVP trainers consistently feel that PVP is just not a priority for Niantic. You've made it obvious that you love the feature and that it's very important to you personally. I think you deserve the respect of every battler for how hard you fought for us on that regard or on that front, I should say. How can we work together, players and uh, avid PvP competitors that are in Niantic, how can we work together to convince Niantic that PvP is worth more of their time, energy, and investment? Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I don't really know the, the best way to answer this one either. What I would probably say is just keep keep giving us your feedback, right? I, you know, not just uh, myself, but so many people on the team are, are reading that that feedback and, and wanting to um, incorporate things, right? 
as a recent example, you know, that we had the, the really um, minimal move updates for PVP um, a season ago. And players were incredibly vocal about how um, disappointed they, they were in that. And that was something that really lit a fire uh, um, under myself and, and the rest of the team to say like, hey, we, we need to do better here. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of what I would say there. You know, never stop being vocal about what it is that um, you're, you're hoping to get in the game. We obviously can't deliver on everything that, that people ask for, but we genuinely want to do the best that we can with, um, with the resources that, that we have to, um, to create something magical for people. And we know that a lot of the um, criticism comes from a, a, a place of passion with a lot of players, right? You don't voice these um, concerns or, or issues if you didn't care about the game deeply. And so I always try to keep that lens when I when I read criticisms as as harsh as they can be, and you know sometimes like really harsh directed at, at me personally. Um, but I you know I, I try to always keep that um, POV in, in mind as I as I try to digest um, a lot of that stuff. So yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, and I know um, having spoken to some Niantic employees over the years too, like even if it doesn't seem like they're listening to the feedback, like. I mean, it's hard to miss some of the stuff that people say on Twitter, right? So, um, so it's uh, so you know, just keep giving the feedback. It'd be constructive too, right? Like, I mean, if you're just mad and just saying Please, stuff, yeah. like it's fine. But like, um, and you can't express that, but it's it's not going to change much. Um, but I think like the constructive feedback, especially like really great ideas and stuff like that, like that can definitely be good. And also like like the positive feedback too, right? Like like um, one of our commenters said about the halloween event like you love to see uh you love that event mm -hmm. right and um yeah. that's good too because that's validating to i'm sure people at niantic say like all this work and effort to just just for the aesthetics of this event was worthwhile right it wasn't just yeah. like people just scoffing at it and just trying to catch your ghost pokemon they were actually like wow this actually looks kind of cool right um yeah. so i think that's that's also good right yeah yeah thanks for bringing that up i mean i i do it's kind of the the yelp or google review conundrum right where mm -hmm. people are way more likely to go and, and post about their negative experiences and, and the positive ones and that can sometimes make it really tough to, to stomach as um, as developers um, but when we do see those those positive comments it's so uplifting for the team and so yeah if, if you if there are things that you're enjoying about the game um, please send them over as well and, and I'd love to forward those things to the to the rest of our team and that just motivates them to um, to be even better and, and continue to deliver, you know, at the, at the bar that, that players expect. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. Cause I, I know it, it's not some, it's not something that, uh, is top of mind for a lot of people to want to come around and, and say positive things. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Credit where credit yeah. is due for sure. Yeah. And again, the, the way that Michael, you personally have stepped in, in the, the line of fire for a lot of this flack, um, it shows us, it demonstrates as well, like how much you care about the game, how much you care about the public perspective and how you don't want trainers to be disappointed or to lose faith in the game. You're actually actively trying to prevent it by giving reassurance, right? So again, uh, for everyone listening, Michael's not uh, John Hankey and he's not, you know, the board of directors. He's not, you know, the be all end all here. But I think that every PVP player needs to remember that we have a powerful ally at Niantic in Michael. And there are a lot of other allies that we have that we are not even aware of. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We just, like you said, we just have to keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah. Really want to emphasize that, that last bit, you know, because um, like I said, I think uh, putting myself in uh, these 
situations definitely comes with, a, you know, sometimes people give me more credit than is due. And I, and I want to make sure that uh, all your listeners know that it's definitely not just me. We've got tons of amazing, passionate people mm-hmm. working on this game. And, um, and you know, they might be a little bit more in the shadows than, than I am, but, um, but they're equally as uh, avid of a player and a fan and an advocate for, um, for what players want. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and myself and Speedy, we've talked about this many times on the podcast. You know, we're saying like, hey, like this game is not just our hobby, it's our livelihood, it's what we're passionate about, it's what we do day in and day out. And I mean, there's no way that Niantic employees, especially working on Pokemon Go, don't feel the same way, right? It is it's not only their livelihood, it's their nine to five, it's their it's their job, it's their career, it's maybe the next ten plus years for them, right? And so I think the main thing is regardless of how people may feel about some of these updates, uh, I mean, like I think the the best, you know, approach in my opinion is to assume goodwill that even if you don't like the update, even if you don't like the decisions, um, they were made in mind that at least the intention was to try to improve the experience for players and for um, everyone too. So, um, but that pretty much wraps it up for our questions. Uh, We're a little bit over the two hour mark. I just got to say again, thank you so much for just like being a part of the podcast and, um, you know, taking time out of your day. I mean, two plus hours uh, as with a newborn too. I mean, thank you to your wife as well for letting us take two hours yes. from your family, but, um, and also, you know, anyone that you may have to have approval from your supervisors, anyone from Niantic to even be a part of this. Um, mm-hmm. Big thank you for that. And, you know, answering pretty much a, a good chunk of the questions our viewers had. Um, but again, even if uh, we didn't get to answer your question, you know, keep dropping us our co- comments in these YouTube videos, you know, potentially Michael or some other 90 boys are listening. Right. And again, like even if you don't maybe not get a response every single time, um, them listening to feedback can go a long way. Yeah. I was hoping for some spicy, uh, squirrel trapper questions, you know, and <laughs> okay, okay, there was, there was one. Um, oh. but, uh, you know what? I could just read it if you want. Uh, I might have to censor it oh, a no. little bit, <laughs> but bonus. Uh, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was, uh, really low note here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was, it was funny. I will say that. Um, it was, yeah, it was somewhere. I did see it, uh, on there. I, of course I, I, maybe I should have just threw it in there, but okay. So Scroll Trapper said, um, I would ask Niantic why the shoutcasters TBCI hires are so, um, expletive delusional and think pokemon go <laughs> pvp is the next big esport a bunch of laughing emojis um <laughs> oh, gotta say did i if, yeah. if we don't have haters we're not doing something right so <laughs> hey, true. i mean you know it, it's like what i said about the you know criticism that we get it comes from a, a place of passion and, and there's a reason squirrel trapper listens on a regular basis <laughs> and you know wild Oh my god! Uh, feels impassioned to to leave these comments, but yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. Uh, we might be giving Scroll Trapper a little too much, um, too much exposure because I feel like of all our listeners and commenters, we talk about them the most. So uh, maybe, maybe we got cut back, and you know, maybe maybe leave them on red a little bit just so uh, just, just so they feel they feel the cold shoulder and you know put more effort into some of the comments. But we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you both for for having yeah. me as well. You know. Um, uh, I know it was also over two hours of each of your time. And I know Speedy, well, for, for you, it's uh, you're on the East Coast. And so uh, very, very late over there. So super, super appreciative. I I hope that a lot of these questions were, were helpful for, for people who are asking them. Um, we, we definitely want to do better about uh, 
you know, being more communicative and, um, and I personally want to, uh, be able to chat with, with, uh, with more folks like this, um, because I, I do think that, uh, you know, there, there's lots of valid criticisms for a lot of the, the things that we do and decisions that we make, but I do think maybe a lot of those criticisms are, are rooted in not fully understanding, you know, the, the reasons why. And my goal ultimately is, even if you disagree with the the final decisions that are made, I, I want players to at least know that there's some like thought going into it and um, and some valid reasoning for for why we do things. And um, and I hope that you know uh, we we demonstrated a little bit of that um, tonight in this podcast. So. Yes, definitely, definitely. Thank you so much. Um, do you have? Uh, I know you just said some stuff, but do you have any final words, parting words for our listeners slash viewers? Um, yeah, check out check out NAIC this weekend. Uh, you also have a fun Go Battle weekend uh, to to play while you're watching. I, I know I, I personally love to to try to multitask and, and do both of those things. Um, and and stay tuned for the World Championships in Yokohama as well. I think it's going to be uh, incredibly exciting, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who gets crowned uh, the champion after such an impressive season of play Pokemon tournaments. Like this is really uh, outstanding. And um, whoever takes the, the crown is, is going to have a lot to be proud of for sure. Yeah. Actually, I do have, now that you're speaking of world championships, I do have one last uh, hot take question for you, right? Sure. Feel free to uh, feel free to skip it if you think you might get too much heat for it. But there's a lot of people on Twitter that say like, oh, like these players are the best in this region, et cetera, and stuff like that. So I got to ask you, <laughs> who you know, what region do you think the world champion will end up coming out of, right? Would it be North America, LATAM, EU, or, you know, APAC? Um, oh, we had two, two of the top three were from APAC last year. And I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like there's even more potential players from APAC this year than last year. I could be mistaken, yes. but I mean, 20 just from Japan, right? So Right, yeah. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say um, I'm going to dance around this answer a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I think... I've seen the most team building creativity from APAC. I'll say that. Yes. Yep. And, um, and I think that there's a competitive advantage to doing that, right? If you are truly bringing something unique that other players haven't seen before or aren't prepared for, um, you have a leg up. And so, um, yeah, I, I've been generally impressed with a lot of the diversity in team building in APAC um, compared to other regions. I think in terms of execution, uh i do have to kind of give a shout out to our emia friends the sort of executional perfection that i've seen from a lot of those streams is incredibly impressive uh it's hard for me to spot uh mistakes um in in uh in a lot of those battles which as we talked about earlier is so challenging when you know you're literally on stream on camera all eyes on you the Mm -hmm. pressure's on and so um yeah i guess that that's what I'll, I'll say there. Uh, and then I, you know, have a couple personal folks that I'll be secretly rooting for. I won't share who here, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've got a couple friends that are, uh, uh, in contention, um, that I, I hope will, will take it all. So nice. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Uh, well, again, thank you so much. Um, do you have any last words, Speedy? No, uh, again, Michael, thank you for your time. Um, I know it's getting later in the evening for you as well. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode, uh, enjoyed us speaking with Michael. Uh, like Caleb said, like Michael said, keep on voicing your feedback, stay invested, and uh, you know, just remember that you're being heard, and good things will come if we uh, we keep at it.
Yeah. Yeah. And my final words to you all is uh, like, uh, like Michael said, you know, tune into NAIC if you have the chance. This should be a good one. Our final tournament of the regular season before Worlds. And also for this podcast, I mean, I feel like this is our biggest episode to date uh, in terms of yep. like content and the guests and everything. So please share it out if you can, especially if you have any friends who are like, I feel like Niantic is doing this and that. I'm like, wait, there's an episode that covers this, right? Send them this episode, right? Drop us a like, drop us some comments on what you think there is. Uh, you know, give us rate radar podcasts and stuff. Even if you hate it, Squirrel Trapper, still give us a one star if you can. Um, but yeah, just share it out there, right? Again, like I think you you definitely took a lot of time and effort in explaining a lot of these things. And I think the most unfortunate thing out of this podcast would be if people continue like you know, thinking things that are completely off from what you've yeah. already shared, right? And so, mm-hmm. uh, if the truth is already out there so, uh, in many respects in this podcast, so feel free to share the truth out there. And um, yeah, everyone, take care. Thank you all for tuning in. It's been a long one, but a good one. And we'll catch you all next week after NAIC. Yeah. Peace out. Thanks, y'all. Bye.